What's up, everybody? Welcome to the 26th draft of the Untitled Movie Podcast. I am one of your hosts with my BFCA buddy, Eric Marchin. I'm so excited, Eric. I didn't even do the intro properly. No, 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 no. <laughs> oh, baby. My nips are hard, buddy. <laughs> you could cut diamonds with those things. Kyber crystals. Uh, yeah, let's, I mean, uh, if you guys didn't know, this is the Untitled Movie Podcast. Each week, Eric and I get together, talk about movies, what we are watching, what we love about them, what's going on in movie news. Uh, I'm Matt Rohrbeck. That's Eric. Uh, we got another podcast called Untitled Movie Reviews. Go listen to our review of Teen Spirit. It's up there right now. Like, comment, share, subscribe. Thank you, everyone, for listening. But who cares about all that? Dude. Okay, yeah. <laughs> who cares about all that? Let's get right into it. I'll ask you what you've been watching um, soon, but no one gives a shit anyway. Yeah, uh, this is all about <laughs> Star Wars. We just finished... I think everyone's going to be talking about this today, but um, we've talked... I feel... Star Wars has been put on the back burner a little bit as we get kind of ready for Endgame and, and right. this conclusion to this 10-year, 11-year arc of the MCU. Uh, but we Star Wars Celebration is this weekend. Um, this morning was the Episode Nine panel at Star Wars Celebration. It was streamed online. We just finished watching it. They premiered the teaser trailer for Episode Nine, And if you guys haven't uh, watched it yet and you don't want to be spoiled of what's in that teaser trailer or what the title of the film is, I'd stop this now. Maybe go watch that and come back. I gave you a second. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Uh, Eric, we just saw the teaser trailer for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker. Yes. They're keeping uh, in tow or in line with the thes in the title, and also <laughs> alphabetical. Thing you've latched onto, you're and like, also Thank alphabetical God. order. So when you're putting, you know, the the Blu-rays or the 4Ks together, they go in alphabetical order. Force Awakens, Last Jedi. Do you think they did Rise that intentionally? Maybe I don't know. <laughs> That's probably just me being obsessive compulsive about it. Um, but yeah, like a lot of people uh, watching. A good, what was it, an hour and a half yeah. of interviews that were kind Stephen of... Stephen Colbert did a good job, but it was Not the greatest just, questions, but I mean, you have you to You can't act, really do much, right? No, you have to be very vague and cryptic, and I mean, there wasn't really any answers that we didn't already know or assume. It was just kind of like, oh, this is the end, quote-unquote, the end of the Skywalker trilogy and the end of a nine movie arc and that's we, kind of what they were reiterating time yeah. and time again we did get uh, our first glimpse at um billy d williams as lando calrissian and also naomi aki is yes that her name from um, lady macbeth yes yeah. as her character um Jen jenna or jonna jonna Gemma, jenna um i'll correct that in a second but um so those are the kind of glimpses and we got a lot of kind of photos throughout the panel that the crowd and was dio. reacting don't to. don't forget dio oh yeah dio the holy dio. diver of <laughs> Who looks uh, like uh, one of those old school uh, like paper megaphones that yeah. they, they would use uh, back in the day. Uh, on the like, VFX little, people were like, "Well, what wheel. do we have left over in terms of scraps? Let's yeah. just put a droid together." <laughs> he looks so dumb. I like him though. Um, and then we got the teaser trailer. I mean, I think that's where we should start. We can go straight into talking trailers on this episode, and we'll kick yeah. it off with uh, the rise of Skywalker. So, I mean, I won't give a complete walkthrough of what we saw, but walkthrough. Um, uh, basically, the as. Both The Force Awakens and Last Jedi um, trailers opened with um, kind of... Well, the first trailer was Finn and then Rey in the second one. But that kind of... Uh, it just drops you right into the middle of a sequence. And it's with Rey and she has Luke's repaired uh, lightsaber. Um, and you see a... Uh, not a TIE fighter, a TIE... Um, destroyer or yeah a, it basically um, looks almost like a a, a classic western showdown yeah. where you have the you know, gunslinger yeah yeah uh 
high noon kind of situation and um you know uh, they're about to duel and in, in this case though the um juxtaposition is it's a person versus a piece of technology mm-hmm. so um and then also we see this kind of uh, almost matrix like uh flip in the air where she uh, yeah she jumps over the fighter flying at her and and obviously looks like she's about to split and split it in half with her uh lightsaber so a dope opening shot um i'm trying to think about the other stuff we saw throughout the trailer, we see lando billy d williams lando? um i almost yanked out the cord again and we would have had another technical difficulty we see lando you see the team together uh you see a little really bit for of, the first time um, like all three yeah. of them together i mean there was a moment in the force awakens where they were at together the at end. the end but this is probably going to be the first film where they're actually working together. together yeah and, and they then they're going to become the, the new skywalker team the way that yeah. you know leia luke and and han were together so it looks like we might see some shots on they might go back to Jakku and um Well there's a skiff. It looks almost like something you saw in in Return of the Jedi with, you know, Jabba taking uh, the crew to the Sarlacc pit and C-3PO's on there with them as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's an, a cool, like, uh, almost, yeah, like a pirate ship, kind of a space pirate ship uh, kind of sequence where you see Poe and Finn and C-3PO. I think that's what you're talking yeah. about, right? Uh, you see Cloud City, which you mentioned, because we see Lando. Um, and I'm, Lando's flying the Millennium Falcon again. Yes, so. which is awesome. I'm going to pull up the trailer, too, just so I can skim over it and see... Um, I won't actually play it, but... Um, oh, we also get Adam Driver uh, menacing as ever, um, using his uh, makeshift lightsaber in threatening and more dangerous oh, yeah. ways than ever. Like, it's, yeah, almost and, like um, it's almost like a finishing move. Yeah, he does this thing where he uses kind of the side of his lightsaber to kind of stab into a guy yeah, and, and then put him to the, him ground. the ground. Yeah, you see the Millennium Falcon flying into Cloud City. Um, you see Kylo Ren repairing his helmet. So another Can we just kinda, get rid of the helmet? We I don't think, need the helmet anymore. I mean, I like... I. Because I think the point of what The Last Jedi was kind of doing was breaking down the iconography from the previous films and saying, now, you know, we're, 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 know, we're but... rising from the ashes and making a new world order and making a new... But I think what you're seeing in this whole conflict. trailer is that conflict between the light and the dark of how people felt of the right. Last well, the Jedi, balance, right? the balance of the force right? and even how the fans reacted to that movie, right? As much as it was a critical success and a, and a financial success, the sentiment online, as much as I don't want to defend the assholes, like you, you are entitled to not enjoy the last Jedi. Right. Don't be a fucking asshole about it. Um, but I don't think they were expecting both with last Jedi and then, more so, I guess, Solo was more of a consensus meh on Solo. Right. Um, but people think that, like, they need to write the ship a little bit, which I don't Which is why they brought J.J. Abrams yeah, back and you can to tell that finish the film. It's the, going to be series. probably... Uh, I think he'll take some risks, but it will feel safe, much like Force Awakens did, where it will feel familiar. Yeah. More so where Last Jedi was... St- a departure and a diff it just had a different feel to it this is probably um, going to be more of a direct sequel to the force awakens than it is the last jedi not to say that there aren't going to be things in the last jedi that are important to concluding this franchise but because jj did one and two it feels like okay well this is the bookend totally. of the trilogy and I, that kind of makes sense and then so when we're talking about kylo ren's helmet and different things like that i think you're going to see things that I hope people don't take in to like, oh, J.J. has to retcon the ship from The Last Jedi because everyone hated it. And even yeah. the name The Rise of Skywalker makes people go like, 
oh, everyone was so mad you killed off Luke. Does that what that mean? I don't I don't think that that's as obvious as what that title is. But it is a weird title for a conclusion to a trilogy and also a conclusion to the Skywalker saga saying the rise <laughs> of Skywalker, yeah, which but, we were talking about before I mean, we were recording, that maybe it means something to do with Adam Driver's Kylo Ren finding the good in himself again or and redemption Rey or Ray being connected to it. I mean, we didn't, the, the one thing they really haven't talked about, which I'm sure is going to be very much a spoiler is that Carrie Russell's in the film, but there was nothing mentioned about her, but her, her role probably will be very pivotal to um, a character or, or, or a plot point. Yeah. And so, I mean, I'm in the camp of, I absolutely loved last Jedi. It was my favorite film of the year I, I you saw it with me in the theaters yeah i've saw seen that i saw it a couple times i yeah. acted like a little kid watching it like i was watching star wars for the first time but, it's one of the best um, star wars movies and one of like it's it's its own thing as well which i, agree. I appreciate and that's what i mean i can also but then i also love force awakens as that kind of greatest hits food movie and yeah. like that comfort blanket kind of to thing. bring it was i was where i was using my star to, wars to the series exactly and i was using my star wars blanket as we watched this yeah. that's kind of what force awakens felt like for me so with jj coming back in and even the tone i get from the trailer is way more force awakens like you mentioned than it is last jedi um even from the look like even i was re-watching the trailers for both force awaken and last jedi and ryan johnson's last jedi just has like it just doesn't like it just looks it's it's different. paying tribute to cinema as a whole whether it be internationally or uh classic like i mean a lot of the time when i was watching um last jedi there were scenes specifically that final uh fight in uh uh the death star or the or, or the star killer where it kind of looks like a powell and pressburger movie right mm -hmm. so jj's influences are coming from the original films and yeah. supposedly the prequels to a certain degree it seems like um, it, yeah. and also i mean the big thing that i think a lot of people will be analyzing and writing articles about and, and building up a narrative to when up to the release of this film is um palpatine's laugh at the end of the movie and then also at the end ian, of the trailer yeah, yeah at the end of the trailer and then ian mcdiamond coming out on stage and telling them to roll it again in his voice yeah and that was the only thing that they said about him right yeah. so yeah i mean that's the end of the the teaser was uh palpatine's laugh and it looks like we sh got a shot Aiken to the first in Force Awakens with the crashed Star Destroyer. I think we see a piece of the Death Star. It could I, 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 I'm pretty sure that's what that was. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, and then other we get a shot of Leia and Rey hugging. And, right, and, and, and the, um, the footage of Carrie Fisher, as, as, as it's been discussed online and as it's been mentioned, is footage, unused footage from the Force Awakens. Yeah, so the, there were probably scenes that they cut with Rey and Leia that they'll utilize and things like that, and they said with her daughter as well. Um, yeah, we get some uh, a shot of Dio in there with BB-8, so you get a new droid that they'll be able to sell a bunch of toys for. Um, and then some action, like you said, on that kind of uh, makeshift pirate ship, a shot of... Uh, Matt, like is, as he's describing metal. it to me, is watching it again on his phone yeah. for the uh, fourth or fifth time. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, I'll be watching it over and over and You know over what that again, one but... shot does have a kind of like the, the Death Star or the Star Destroyer is it almost looks like um, an alien in Prometheus. Right. Um, the, the ship kind of just sitting there in, 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 in wait, you know, and, and just kind of decaying. Yeah. Which is cool. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I and I liked all, a lot of that from Force Awakens as well. And yeah, I mean, it's a very 
quick tease. I think the biggest surprise is the title and Palpatine's laugh at the end. Yeah. As much as everyone loves Snoke, um, uh, and and that twist in in Last Jedi was shocking to me. I remember watching that for the first time, and that whole sequence in the red room is 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 amazing. Yeah, and again, um, that reminded me of of Powell and Pressburger, like the red yeah. shoes or the tales of Hoffman and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, and um, it's just one. I think one of the best lightsaber sequences from the entire. Um, um, I think saga. it's one of the best pieces of direction in that whole franchise. I agree completely. Um, but yeah, Palpatine's laugh, I think, um, was the thing that I was like, what the fuck is happening right Yeah, now? what does that mean? Because we um, also obviously know um, from talking about it on previous episodes and, and news that Ryan Johnson is going to be directing his own trilogy after uh, rolling out his uh, new Agatha Christie-esque film, uh, Knives Out. out. Yeah. So, But he has been very adamant in saying that this is going to be a fresh trilogy that takes place elsewhere in the universe that could be long after the skywalker saga is done but or it has nothing before. or long yeah. before and has nothing to do with that narrative but then also you have the guys who uh created uh, or, or the showrunners for game of thrones D. that D. are Rice also and, yeah and uh benny uh, uh he- 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 or something or yeah yeah something. who who wrote who's an author who wrote a uh, 25th hour um who are also working on their own um, series and that then they are film writing, series but not that they're directing. writing, they're not directing. And then you even have, you know, and we'll talk about this on the show as well with The Mandalorian, which is a John Favreau produced, um, and he's directed one of the episodes. I think he's show running it. Oh, just show running. Yeah, I think. So you then... know, with people like Taika Waititi and Bryce Dallas Howard directing, which is a post Boba Fett bounty hunter kind of world, which I think was probably maybe they took some stuff from what they were going to use for the Boba Fett solo film. Yeah, and then you have the Cassian Andor and uh, what's the droid's name from IG eighty eight? IG no, not IG eighty eight. Oh. Uh, the one from Rogue One that um, Alan oh, Tudyk whoa, whoa, Alan Tudyk. Yeah, yeah, Alan Tudyk uh, plays yeah. him. I can't remember yeah, the name. Yeah, I'm blanking too. I know we're Fake still fans. talking about the Fake Mandalorian. Fans. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm blanking sometimes on you. Um, but yeah, man, I, I, it's, it's going to be interesting if they stick to this being the end of the Skywalker saga and like how long that lasts, right? Like, right. I have a feeling it will be an end for the foreseeable future for this storyline or I don't know, man, or they're just, it's, it's also a story that could never end, but I am excited for them to kind of go into, we, we joked about how small the star Wars universe is. Right. And it really kind of is because it's all been focused on this one war and this one family and everyone who's involved with it. When there's so many other places you could go and explore and, and showcase. And we've seen bits and pieces of that, but we haven't had something great yet i don't think that has focused on something other than that skywalker saga right like i mean maybe uh, again and i'm a huge star wars fan but i know there are people out there that are way more hardcore than i am who watch every show and read every piece of everything and i'm not that i i i don't watch the cartoons i i i'm just a mainstream film uh guy in some of the video games and stuff like that but um you're a huge dash rendar fan i love dash rendar yeah that, shout out to that um photoshop of nick cage's dash rendar that was going around the other day um i feel like i feel like it, it should take a, a a page or the advice of our old uh slogan for toronto and ontario you know, the universe is yours to discover, mm-hmm. um, and it feels like they haven't really discovered it yet. Maybe the Mandalorian will be the first step in sort of reaching out and going beyond 
you know, our comfort zone and, and, and creating new characters and starting from scratch a little bit. Yeah. And that's tough Using too. familiar elements. Yeah. Um, well, but... it's still in the same world, but you want to see other things and you want to meet characters that can be just as endearing yeah. as, uh, you know, Luke and Han and that's Leia. Right. I mean, you've built, sure, this war between the dark and the light and the Jedis and the Sith and things like that. But then you also have this world of bounty hunters that you've barely explored and just all these different kind of worlds within worlds that we see in this galaxy right but that we just there's so much there for the taking that i feel like they haven't utilized but anyways i'm excited for this i think it looks uh fantastic obviously um, you were a little I'm, disappointed that um, watto didn't show up i though. mean watto and jar jar are the two that i'm just waiting and i, I, I for someone to put in somewhere or hayden um, christensen to i have a feeling he might be in this because remember he was rumored to be in force awakens and last jedi at some point and like I uh, so we can repeat his sand so line. I guess to go deeper into it with Palpatine's laugh and the title, you mentioned that yes, the title could be reference to um, Kylo Ren. It could be a reference to Rey. It could be a reference to Luke. It could be a reference to Darth Vader. It could be a reference or to, or even Leia. Um, Leia. Like right, in the yeah. idea that you know, even though Carrie Fisher has passed away, but the character is still very pivotal to the storyline and maybe what they're going to because J.J. Abrams really specifically talked about. You know, working with the footage and creating, you know, the last performance that she'll ever give in this movie and the idea that, you know, she is going to be the she is still the leader of the rebellion. And so maybe now the rebellion will become the new um, government or the thing that sort of it finally comes into its own, because the other thing that we, we should mention, Yoda in Empire Strikes Back said that there is another and there's always been this allusion to or, or or hinting at that, you know, the other wasn't Luke, that it was somebody else, perhaps. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is, um, you know, fortune coming into its final form. Yeah. And then whether JJ does retcon some of this stuff, like, I mean, I don't think you could take some of the stuff Ryan Johnson did as in last Jedi as definitive answers or depending on what JJ does as just kind of misdirection and things like that. And I think either way or is okay. I'm not going to get too upset if he does retcon the stuff that, um, that Ryan Johnson put out there with Ray's parentage or anything like that. Like, I think it's both, I'm both okay with her being part of the family and the chosen one kind of thing that brings on the legacy or the idea of last Jedi being this can be anyone. It can be a nobody just like Luke was right. And right. Then, like, and, th- and well, I mean, the Luke other technically thing, wasn't because well, no, it, it, it alludes to Ray that yeah. Ray can, Ray doesn't have to be connected to this bloodline to be somebody important. All you have to do is have the force and have you know, the compassion and empathy mm-hmm. to want to help or change the world or or the passion to do that. And that's what it's saying. Mm-hmm. And and you can still, yeah, you can still look at, you know, The Last Jedi as a part of this trilogy or you can take it out and, it, again, look at it as its own thing. And I think yeah. it works either way. Yeah, and that's what I mean. So I, I don't love the people who are already online going, oh, thank God JJ's back and he's changing all this shit that happened in, in Last Jedi because uh, Ryan Johnson ruined everything. Because I, I feel like... As much even you're again, like I mentioned, you're entitled to not enjoy Last Jedi. That's totally fine. A, don't be a dick about it. Um, two, I mean, whatever happens, it, it, it's still part of this franchise, and I think there is some valuable stuff in there. And I hope people who only 
saw it maybe the one time in theaters or and and didn't like it and maybe give it another shot leading up to and see i I, what i love about this stuff and even when i talked about going back with my marvel rewatch is like sometimes you get more out of these movies too once you see the bigger picture and once you watch them and and again maybe not at the at the time they didn't know how it would tie into this movie because it's two different filmmakers but with JJ working with Ryan and talking to him and watching that film and, 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 and utilizing elements that he probably built, whether it's with Rose and, and other characters. Well, that's the other thing. JJ is bringing Kelly Marie Tran back into the fold. And that's probably also going to piss off a lot of people that didn't like, uh, the last Jedi, but then they'll be toxic and corrosive, or they'll be happy. Cause if he gives her a storyline that they actually enjoyed and make her a character that they enjoy, they'll be like, Oh, thank God for JJ Abrams. Cause fuck Ryan Johnson, which is, basically what they all right. say but it, i still think it's a better but they were solution not the people who are being racist assholes like right. fuck those people yeah that's what those, i mean yeah. that's what i mean i think he's still sticking it to to those oh, people totally and i also think that he's doing one better than what lucas did with the handling of characters that didn't work specifically with jar jar, jar, jar Binks, yeah. because like that character was obviously going to be a huge part of that prequel and series kind of just and then he kind of put him to the side because obviously the reaction was you know other than small children nobody liked that character and found him problematic but instead and, and of trying to you, redeem him he they just, just kind of moved him on i mean he, he's the one that kind of helped create the empire <laughs> yeah right there's that whole backstory which is really funny but um, I'm curious to see how much, I guess, I feel like Disney's waiting for Endgame to kind of be over and things like that. To really start they... ramping up the promotion. But they yeah. don't have to do much with this, though, no. right? Same like, with Endgame. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, with both these conclusions, with both these enders, um, all you need to do is just throw out a poster and a teaser trailer, and that's really it. Like, these movies sell themselves, Mm -hmm. and the people are going to go. I mean, look at the last time we were talking about, you know, Fandango uh, (laughs) crashing and and tickets going on sale like that and and being sold out. So, you know, like, I'm sure this will be very similar as well, where, you know, something like Solo did okay, and it still had the brand name of Star Wars. But even the anthology series now, it feels like that's going to be a Disney Plus it does series like moving that. on. Yeah. Which I think makes sense. Um, I don't know how you go about it, right? I mean, even Marvel moving forward, I, I hate to keep comparing them, but they are their two gi- biggest, most gigantic things right now. Of like, Even with Phase 4, we kept talking about what we think Phase 4 is going to be. And like, uh, and Kevin Feige the other day in that Disney Plus presentation came out and said, like, Disney Plus is going to be a huge part of phase four right and we and i'll list off the series that got announced which we've already kind of talked about over the last couple months or so but now we've got an actual confirmation (laughs) one title we're going to talk about it's ridiculous but funny um but yeah man i'm your thoughts do you think this what i hate to just keep comparing them and making them compete against each other but endgame or episode nine what makes more money in the long run and what are people more excited for? You know, I would say in this, in this day and age, I'd probably say Endgame. I think so too, which is um, weird. But yeah. I, I almost feel that. Do you think that's because of Last Jedi and the split yeah. kind of And also Solo. Reaction? And, and yeah. maybe, I mean, it's weird because not that comic books haven't oversaturated, saturized the market. But they've market. been consistently solid. Yeah. Or at know, least like, they, they've 
kept people's interest. That's what I, yeah. And because not every, I mean, like, I'm going to be talking about, even though it's not a Marvel movie, I'll be mentioning Hellboy. Hellboy, yeah. Um, but comic book, comic book I meant movies Marvel in general. Yeah, yeah. But comic book movies in general have become the new blockbuster where yeah. it's like they're the action movies. They sell no matter what, usually, unless it's Hellboy. <laughs> uh, which we'll talk about that a little later. Um, but. I think if you we would have this conversation if say Endgame was opening the around the time that first uh The Force Awakens was being released it might be a different conversation because there was a new novelty to The Force Awakens because mm-hmm. it was like it's back and it, yeah. hopefully it's great and it's it's you know reminding us why we love Star Wars in the first place we're now like you mentioned you know the the reception of the last Jedi but on top of that the kind of um focus on comic book movies and also comic book movies Using a lot of the stuff that inspired Star Wars or being right. inspired by Star Wars. A lot I mean, of the cosmic stuff. Yeah, in Star Guardians Wars, right? was kind of like almost like a tee up to Force Awakens in a lot of ways. Yeah, I agree completely. Yeah. And the more cosmic Marvel gets, the more Star Wars it kind of gets. Yeah, like too, I wouldn't right? be surprised if Thanos showed up in this. Yeah, like it's, yeah. it's got, it, it will get to that point I, where I, I, I hope there's never a crossover, a crossover but, but you know that that company has all that stuff. But that now would be that, cool. So another thing we're going to talk about too is the what if. If series right uh, on Disney Plus, which I think is a really cool concept. There, I'd be open to it if you brought in some voice actors and did an animated "What If?" Yeah, on something. Well, like Anthony that. Daniels like, would be up for well, it. Yeah, in, uh, moments notice. <laughs> but if you did like a Guardians Star Wars crossover or, um, or Marvel uh, Star Wars crossover on "What If?" Right, I'm fine with. But keep it out of continuity. Well, it, it goes back to that Patton Oswalt, yeah, monologue Parks on Parks and Rec, yeah, where everything is, is just going to be, you know. In terms of like um, studio fair, it's just going to be you know condensed into one thing, and it's right. all going to be there, and it'll just be messy. Well, and Disney noisy has so and, much. I'm surprised yeah. they don't do like a Smash Brothers kind of even video. See game that kind of that thing I could too, see happening right? as well. Like, do like a Smash Brothers clone on a video game system where you have all the Disney characters kind of fighting against each other. Or I don't another know if that Kingdom would be Heart, too... right? Kingdom Hearts, yeah, which yeah. they haven't included much marvel or star wars stuff i think in the latest kingdom hearts they had maybe big hero six as right. a marvel world um but i think that was it because it was still animated they haven't done much they did like pirates of the caribbean like live action but in um as a world in kingdom hearts i'm not a huge kingdom hearts person i'm not kinda, either but that's the it one sounds where I cool but it's like too i don't know yeah. I, and i love i liked final fantasy back in the day too but i never got into that but and then also with um, even just ralph breaks the internet right? right you could do more there which they've done a little bit in the last one um but yeah man i my hype levels are, are it's crazy i think i'm more i mean i'm a star wars fan i think over a even a Marvel fan, but right now, because we're so close to Endgame, my hype level there is 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 we're very very close to Endgame. Well, and, you know it's you know it's um, huge when Scarlett Johansson's on Hot Ones. Yeah, you yeah. know, like that's how like they want to get to everybody. Right. I wouldn't be surprised if one of them shows up on Rhett and Link soon. And, yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> they're literally hitting up every single thing that they can possibly do, which they don't even need to do. To no, they point, don't. But I mean, it still adds to it all. They've been doing all that stuff on Jimmy Kimmel the last. Uh, but that makes sense so. because it's ABC, ABC right? right? Yeah. So, anyways, really, really excited. I hope we don't see much more. I don't. We'll need probably much get more. another I mean, trailer. Like, I mean, we're obviously we'll we'll get a official poster at some point before the um, end of the weekend. I think maybe. Yeah, or I remember like the like the first poster didn't land until for force awakens was october 
Because remember, we were seeing goosebumps in Oshawa, and then right before the movie oh, began, right, we yeah. got the uh, the email for uh, the for the poster. The... Only a couple months before it came out. Yeah. Oh wow. I think there was a teaser beforehand, but like yeah. the like the full official right because they did send out teaser poster, which is literally just the Star Wars logo, which is blue. Yep. Um, with uh, the Rise of Skywalker in there. Um, interesting title. The Palpatine stuff is. It looks like he's going to be in the movie. With him coming out on stage at the end of it and saying, roll it again. Um, I'm curious, man. I'm I'm really intrigued and um, I cannot wait for uh, December. I hate to say that I skip through summer and get to December, but Disney has so much in between then and now as well. Uh, Disney Plus will be launching even before then. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But very, very excited for the rise of when does Skywalker. it open exactly again it's december december 21st or something like right before christmas isn't it yeah like uh which is always interesting when it comes to like the press screenings and everything like that well there was but, no there was no star wars movie last christmas and the and the film that kind of won out on that was was aquaman and right was kind of the one that felt the most like Mm-hmm. A Star Wars movie because it was specifically ripping off Flash Gordon, but yeah. um, and but then it, next year we have Avatar in that slot, right? Yeah, but Avatar is going to be a weird one because again, like it's that movie where everybody saw it, but ten years ago, ten, does anyone? Well, care? yeah, yeah, ten years ago now, eleven years when the sequel comes out, and it's like, do you really remember much from that movie? Well, there's that to... whole bit of someone going out on the streets and going, "Let me see if I can find one person to name one character from." Uh, and we you, Jake Sully. Jake Sully, yeah. Uh, but can you name five characters? No, um, I can name the actors, obviously. Sure, Zoe Saldana, <laughs> Stephen Lang, yeah. Sigourney Weaver, um, Giovanni Ribisi. Char- what are their characters' names? I have no idea. And that's what I mean from the highest-grossing movie of all. I time. know Unatanium. Unatanium, <laughs> fuck me. So, James Cameron, he's so, always so on the nose. So dumb, but I, I mean, I again, I've it's another one of those movies that I've gone back and revisited recently, and I, I don't. And also, you it. went to I Avatar think. Land. Did you watch? I watched it at Mike's house. Were you there with me? No, we watched it. Okay, yeah, but uh, and I went to Avatar Land, which sparked my interest again because if anyone goes to Walt Disney World, even if you don't care about Avatar, go to Pandora, do that Rise of the the. Whatever the see, I don't even know what the character's name, the dragon thing that they write. Right, um, it's called like something like that. This is how bad. Like I just don't know anything from. Yeah, Avatar. and it's weird because but, it's it's it, it's weird that we have that reaction to it because it is a very basic storyline of right. of good versus evil. But the one thing I, I keep saying about this is that I will give it the benefit of the doubt at least that if anybody can make a good sequel, it's James Cameron. Oh, I mean, a T two and Aliens are two of the best sequels ever made so if anyone can pull it off it will be him and i do like the idea of it mostly being at least this sequel underwater yeah and him kind of working with that technology the only thing that i'm really nervous about is having to watch five of these things in total you know Mm -hmm. yeah i it'll be i'm curious to see what gimmick he'll put on this too because the rumor is that he wants the glasses free 3d yeah but i have no idea how you're going to convince um cinema owners to install new projectors again because he was the one who kind of started the digital revolution right like he was the one who basically forced everyone's hand on on showing this movie in 3d right and then well do you remember 10 years ago when inglorious bastards was coming out they had that it was around that time in august they had avatar day and they kind of introduced a little bit of footage and james cameron talked about it because he'd been away since 
you know, directing documentaries about the Titanic. Motherfucker likes to take multiple, 10 plus years between films. Right, right. And, and I mean, he's been kind of living his life and what have you. But um, when when they got back, or when he got back to it, that's the kind of promotion that they had. I wonder if they'll do that and maybe start earlier because they'll want to try to get the exhibitors I think this will get to... the most press out of any of Disney's big movies just because I feel like they actually have to do some work to yeah. remind people what this franchise was. I, I think you'll see even a re-release maybe of Avatar. I wouldn't be the, surprised about at the that. beginning of next year. Like I wouldn't Or like, even this year. On this year, on the yeah. anniversary of when like it, in the first December. One was yeah, like yeah. well you have Star Wars though. So like that's the weird thing. Like I could see it being in like February or something right. like that of next year, but I mean Disney hasn't announced anything, or they'll release it on 4K. Um, Maybe they'll do just that and yeah, see how it does. But again, I, like I mean, what? It's the highest grossing movie of all time. Yeah, and, you know, like you <laughs> actually is have like to really... remind people of like how many people only saw that movie the one time and have right. never thought about it again, which is mostly everyone. Yeah, right? and uh, where like Aliens and Terminator Two, they already were. Franchise at that time, and yeah. yeah, yeah, and and so people saw them multiple times. Like Avatar was a cultural phenomenon that year, yeah, right, like that year, and then when it came out after, and he re-released it like ten times on Blu-ray within like an eight-month span. I remember, but yeah. doing extended cuts and different things like that, which he does. But um, yeah, I'll except be... he won't. I mean, he still hasn't released True Lies or The Abyss on Blu-ray. They've never been released on. But Blu-ray. they are coming though, right? The Abyss looks like it's closer than true lies he's been working on them but yeah. like that is crazy that those yeah. movies are just not even on a standard are we getting Blu-ray. aliens in 4k this year because we're getting alien i would hope in, so because right? it is the 40th anniversary or will they wait for the 40th anniversary maybe because that, that was 1986 right? right so they they might wait or maybe on alien day when it's coming up right the 20th i think so um, maybe they'll announce a box set or something down the yeah, line. Yeah, because we only know the first one's coming, right? Yeah, because it's the 40th anniversary. And then also, like, you know, with Batman, the Warner right. Brothers announced that 80th. with those horrible... Four that K's. artwork is terrible <laughs> and it's an eyesore. Um, but yeah, so, like, with, with, when it comes to anniversaries like that, you can expect a re-release or um, uh, an upgrade in, in format. Yeah. Cool, man. All right, let's uh, get into the base of the show. We'll go back into the other trailers a little bit later, um, but we'll actually kickstart the real episode. Yeah, uh, we're, we're, we're 34 uh, minutes yeah. into the into. <laughs> but we'll just now. finally start talking about uh, stuff. Uh, what have you been watching this week otherwise? Oh, I've been busy. Um, it's It's been a busy week or so since we last talked. Um, I'll start off by saying, and I already hinted at it, I saw Hellboy. Um, right, because you, I have been skipping a lot. <laughs> I didn't, yeah. We didn't decide to review together Hellboy or uh, Missing Link. Well, you or... also have some news that I don't know if you want to share yeah, now. Or maybe or at the end of the episode. It, at the yeah, end yeah, of the we'll, episode. We'll so maybe that also has something to do with it. You just kind of want to yeah. enjoy right. your freedom before you go to prison. Sorry yeah. I spoiled <laughs> where you're going. Um, it was from downloading all those uh, uh, Office episodes. Right, right. Um yeah, so I uh, I saw Hellboy, which apparently on the Rotten Tomato meter has like eleven percent right now and is considered one of the worst movies ever. <laughs> it's not a good movie, but I will say that it understands its tone a lot better than Shazam. And I'm not trying to be a contrarian. I'm just trying to say that it's an exploitation B movie that is playing to that 
crowd and it feels like an 80s movie and with that it's self-aware enough and it's gross and that's what its strengths are and i think david harbour actually is really well cast now full disclaimer i had a chance to interview david harbour as well um but i didn't love the movie either i think that it has a lot of problems it's very juvenile it's um cheap looking and ugly and again like it feels gross for the sake of being gross at times where Guillermo del Toro's movies even if you don't like those films you can appreciate the artistry and elegance that he puts into the set pieces like this feels like the trashy b-movie version that should be streaming on VOD or should be a Spike TV series the way that that Blade series was right um but again like it's 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 pulpier it's graphic um, there's some good monster uh, effects. Uh, Joel Harlow is the guy who also worked on uh, the Star Trek movies and uh, won an Oscar for those. Um, the older ones or the newer the ones? The newer ones, the J.J. ones. Okay. Um, and there's one creature called uh, Baba Yaga, which I think is actually kind of well done and creepy and weird. But Baba Yaga's been popping up everywhere Yeah, because, I mean, obviously it means Boogeyman, but yeah. um, it's... Uh, John Wick, Ant-Man. Yeah, Hellboy. <laughs> yeah. But in, in this incarnation it's a uh russian witch that eats small children okay um and it really gets into that yeah you're kind of surprised that it goes that far but um yeah like there's some effects work that is actually really really well done um but the movie itself is pretty sloppy and i like i actually do like neil marshall who directed the film he's i i made the joke uh in in my review and in talking to david harbour about um, you know, he's the guy responsible for the three Ds, uh, The Descent, Dog Soldiers, and Doomsday. And all three of those movies should tell you what kind of film you're getting with Hellboy, which is a ripoff of a genre or subgenre that you're familiar with mm-hmm. that is the cheapest version of that. Yeah. And that's what Hellboy is. Okay. So fair. it's not a good movie, but it's not... But the if you kind of go in seen. knowing what you're going to get, then maybe... You might l- like it more. And I think people but that But, like, are... wait till it's on VOD. Yeah, it's a streaming movie. And and I think that people that enjoy the, those gore hounds out there that enjoy 80s practical effects will kind of get a kick out of this. Yeah. It's not as good as a Sam Raimi movie like Evil Dead, but it has. it's trying to go for that tone at times. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, I skipped it. I, don't, I think I'll probably wait instead of going to check it out in theaters, but... Um, interesting. Yeah, I've just uh, it. The reviews are not not good. <laughs> no, but again, like I still think that tonally it it, it knows, knows what, what it, it is, is more yeah. so than Shazam, and it's not trying to be anything else than that. Agreed. Um, and yeah, it's just it's it's just a B movie. Fair. And you also saw a few other movies that I didn't get to. Yeah. So I also to. saw Leica's fifth film, Missing Link, uh, with the Which voices came out today as well. Yes, right? with the voices of Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis. It's 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 probably the second weakest film that they've they've had in their catalog. I think their best is Coraline uh, and Kubo and the Two Strings. Um, this is a decent buddy comedy that's set in the victorian era and there is a sequence that almost rips off christopher nolan's inception hallway sequence that is actually worth the price of admission um but some of the comedy is really you know tilted towards younger kids and you can tell with 
sort of the Zach Galifianakis character, the Sasquatch that he plays that you'll come to know as Susan uh, <laughs> in, in the film. And he's, I mean, he's good at delivering the lines, but you can tell that, you know, the humor will be more affable and enjoyable for, for younger kids, but you can appreciate uh, the animation. And I think actually Hugh Jackman is giving a really good performance here. And it was kind of a nice reminder that he can be that um, buoyant and, and likable, especially after seeing, you know, his horrible work in the front runner. So you need something like that to kind of sometimes remind you that, oh yeah, he's a great song and dance man. And this kind of movie is 10 times better at showing that than even The Greatest Showman. Okay. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, and I also really do love the stop motion animation. I will say that I was a little disappointed that this, as they go on, they're starting to incorporate more and more CGI and augmenting it. So backgrounds and also the right. mouth. So when they're talking, you can tell that it's been CGI'd and it's not been, you know, they so don't stop So it's a mix of stop motion Yeah, and, and sometimes CGI. that just doesn't work as well or it feels like it's two worlds colliding where it's like, you well, you're saying you want to be this old classical technique of, of filmmaking but you're also applying this new version that kind of looks jarring because now you we've seen in the lego movie and things like that where you can make a fully cg movie that kind of looks stop motion, i think that right? looks a little better because they look closer to cgi versions than this where they they are shaped from yeah, clay and you can tell and, that they're only changing a part of it yes right? and that's the that's where I feel like they're losing points a little bit because they're, again, trying to be a stop-motion animated movie. And you can see that, you know, to cut corners for spending years and years and years on making one film, they're they go, applying well, we'll, that. Yeah. We'll move their bodies, but we're not going to move their faces. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So we'll, you know, we'll get a 3D printer and print out all these expressions and then in post-production we'll apply them onto the faces. And Which I'm sure they are the real photographs they are the faces but they're digitally changing them. yeah you can just tell saying. the way that the, the mouths move compared to the rest of the body and the rest of their kind of mannerisms it's it's yeah. just, it it's the one thing that doesn't feel organic to the whole thing fair uh you also saw pet cemetery i did i think i talked about it did you? a little bit on last week's show but i'll just say that oh because um, it was in, probably embargoed or something when we recorded no because it came no, out last friday no but we right? had a lot to talk about last week right. because of our our first quarter uh, episode. Right. Um, but yeah, so this is a, another remake of Stephen King's, um, one of his darkest novels, um, the first version being made 30 years ago. Um, this is from the guys who directed a small indie horror film called Starry Eyes, and it stars Jason Clark as a uh, doctor who moves his family out to Maine, where most Stephen King stories take place to live in the country and spend more time with them because he's been working in the city previously and has been working the graveyard shift. Um, but what he finds out is that on his property, there's a pet cemetery, but then there's also another cemetery. Whoa. Yeah, and this cemetery can bring back the dead but as he'll come to learn sometimes dead is better and the Isn't next door neighbor is played by uh, john lithgow and in the original version it was fred gwynn from the monsters and you know what this the book is amazing the book is so well done if you have not read stephen king's pet cemetery and you're looking for a depressing movie that fuses grief and guilt perfectly in a suspenseful and horrifying manner 
I highly recommend it. And it's also just a good book to kind of get you acquainted with his style of writing. But both movies, the 89 Mary Lambert film and now this one, um, the first one was more, was closer to the book. This one is trying to take a new direction. It's changing things up a little bit. They ruin something in the trailer, which I won't spoil here, but yeah. I mean, they give it away. Um, and I kind of appreciate what they're trying to do and make it a little bit different, but it just doesn't go anywhere. And it feels like the atmosphere is just built on jump scares. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you'll have the reaction if you either scare easily or if you're sensitive to noise, but it doesn't really dig deeper into the story. And the third act is a mess. It's a complete and utter mess. And again, like I appreciate them trying to do something a little bit different, but it just does not work. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's disappointing. And, And it's a shame that, you know, of this recent Stephen King renaissance that this and Dark Tower were both flops, you yeah. know, and I'm hoping that it will, chapter two will be, will be good. Cool, man. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Uh, yeah. Oh, you got a few, few other things. What, what else do I, what else do I have? You had Amazing Grace. Yes. So this is the uh, Aretha Franklin concert documentary that is finally playing was supposed to come out during or was supposed to play tiff what two or three years ago uh 2015 but even before that it was made 47 years ago (laughs) it was shot in 1972 and this was a year after aretha franklin had had 11 consecutive number one hits she was at the top of her game um this was her creating her recording her gospel album also titled amazing grace in this small california uh church uh in watts in 72 and sydney pollock um who was hired by warner brothers came to shoot um this behind the scenes concert documentary the problem was Sidney Pollack, who had just come off of being nominated for an Oscar for a movie called They Shoot Horses, Don't They, with, um, oh, now I'm, uh, why am I forgetting her name, Jane Fonda and uh, Gig Young, um, forgot to use a clapboard uh, during the production. <laughs> so as I'm adjusting my mic here. Uh, ironically. <laughs> ironically, forgot to use a clapboard. So this th- it was completely out of sync. Right. And so it also, would have taken forever to like... Yeah, and also the footage itself was a little bit uh, rough around the edges. So like you can tell like when they're focusing on Aretha or the choir that's in the background or the, the reverend, um, it's going in and out of focus and then they're adjusting and it's very grainy and it's not the best looking movie, but you kind of appreciate it's rough around the edges nature now because it's of, you know, 47 years ago and it's of a, of its time. Um, but then on top of that, yeah. So you find out that this is outside of the movie. It's, it's a great concert documentary. Um, even if you're not a fan of gospel music, you will appreciate um, the power of her performance. And this is like, peak Aretha Franklin and her voice is incredible um and like Mick Jagger's in it there he it's a two-night shoot um and so what you find out afterwards you know this thing was shelved for years um a guy named Alan Elliott who's credited as a producer and um was also credit has a strange credited uh not directing because Sidney Pollack is also not credited as director. He's just given a special thanks. But uh, Alan Elliott, who worked for Atlantic Records, is uh, given this um, 
you know, designed by creditor or, or right. imagined by. So that's basically meaning like you're the one that kind of did all Put the work. Put it together, yeah, but you're so not he was technically working, the director. He became obsessed with this like in the 90s and um, he spent 28 years getting the film re-edited, digitally enhanced, resunk, uh, and s- uh, put his mortgage or his house up twice uh, to get the money to make the movie. And then in 2015, he it was going to play at Telluride and Toronto. Some critics actually did get screener links for it. Um, and then Aretha Franklin um, had her legal counsel. Put the kibosh on it. Yes. And... She never really got into why she didn't want it to ever be seen, but she did it a couple times. And it wasn't until she passed away and also Sidney Pollack has passed away that her estate gave uh, Alan Elliott the uh, okay to release the movie. So is it worth the... Yes, I would. I would say that this is actually um, a film that is worth your time if you're a cinephile or if you're somebody that... Um, is interested in the history of film. It's also interesting that, you know, we're getting a movie like this and also the Orson Welles movie. It's a piece of archival uh, footage that... Apollo 11 even? uh, Yeah, even Apollo 11 that I'm surprised that we're even able to see. Like, when I was watching um, Amazing Grace in the theater, I was like, am I actually even seeing this? Like, this is the thing... Like, this is something that you've heard of in, in, in film lore and it's it's playing before your eyes now and yeah. and so that experience alone i think is worth it crazy yeah crazy crazy uh you had a couple more on here you had uh la, 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 harikiri yeah so i'll be really quick with this so, society and something wild yes so uh harikiri um is a great japanese film from the early 60s the reason why i rewatched this is i also had to pick it up on blu-ray because it's on the criterion um label but it's gone out of print so I went over to Bay Street Video, shout out to Bay Street, to pick up a copy for $45.47 on eBay. It's going up for over $200. Yeah, because it just went out of print, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so what it is, it's about a uh, masterless samurai, a ronin, in 17th century Japan after, um, you know, decades and years and years of war. And, you know, they finally have settled down it's all ended it's it's a peaceful place and these samurai are wandering and don't know what to do with themselves and suffering from depression and going to feudal lords to landowners and saying can i kill myself on your property and take a knife and and plunge it in yeah are you curious yeah they cut their yeah 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 serpico and 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 so the story is of this one samurai who goes to this landowner and says, like, can I kill myself on your on your property? And I, I laugh, but it is kind of almost like a dark comedy at times. And the owner's like, well, come inside and have a conversation with me first because another samurai uh, came and said the same thing, but he didn't go through with it. And if you're going to – if you're saying you're going to do this, I want you to go through with it. And then you find out certain things in the story that are spoilerish. That have an interesting conflict within this dialogue between yeah. these two, and it, yeah, it's a really great movie. It's unfortunate that it's not on the the Criterion Channel and that it's not available anymore. But if you can find it, pick but it up. But is the it's plan worth... that everything will be on the Criterion Channel eventually, it, or I don't know. From what I got, at least from that first month release, is that it's going to be curated each and every month. So there'll be titles that'll play based on 
themes and what's going on in the world right now. Like, there's an excellent section for Agnes Varda. Um, There's a David Lynch section, which we'll talk a little bit more in in, in a bit. Um, And so there is a lot of stuff, but I'm sure it will change because the Criterion catalog is so vast. And there's so many titles to work from. And I think, like, Like Armageddon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Robocop and, and, and The Rock. Um, and the great beauty, but yeah, so like there, there will be a, a kind of a, a rotation of films, the way that Netflix works. I think the, I think Filmstruck worked in the, in the same way. Yeah, Cause it's the Criterion channels, not only Criterion collection films, it's also got other stuff that's not actually on the Criterion collection, right? Yeah. Like it has a lot of Yanis film stuff and, um, Janice. Yeah. Uh, Janice yeah. films collection, which is a part of Criterion. Like they go in terms of like theatrical distribution or re-release, yeah. they play on like their own label. But when they, when they go to Blu-ray, that's it's usually, usually a hint that yeah. it's going to be a Criterion release. Um, and yeah, and then something wild is another Criterion movie that I really love with, uh, that's directed by Jonathan Demi. Um, which plays out as like a screwball comedy romance with Melanie Griffith and uh, uh, Jeff Daniels. And then it takes a horrifying left turn when Ray Liotta shows up. Um, as a movie usually does. Yeah. And, and well, this was one of his first films yeah. uh, in 87. And he is terrifying. Yeah. Like I remember Tim Burton really, it was down to him and Jack Nicholson for the Joker. And like Burton loved what he did in that movie. And like, he is unhinged and if you have not seen it and you're a Ray Liotta fan you need to watch this movie and it's just it's just a delight and it's just interesting to see a film that you know Demi can balance tones and play with things and this is you know a few years before the silence of the lambs as well cool Oh, in yeah. society. So yeah. Brian used the society. Speaking of gross movies, the last twenty minutes of this film, I remember watching this as a kid, are the most disgusting ever. Um, it's about this kid who lives in an affluent family that's afraid of his parents and his sister, um, and he comes to find something out about high society, and it's a commentary, but it's also just a really disgusting B-movie from the 1980s that uses a lot of special effects. The uh, makeup artist is named Screamin' George, um, and the last is that 20... his legal name? Or... I don't know. <laughs> um, he's a Japanese uh, makeup artist. Okay, cool. Uh, Screamin' Mad George, and um, the last 20 minutes of this movie is some of the grossest I've ever seen in my entire life. And I remember as a kid when I rented it, because I went through that phase that a lot of horror fans do when they're starting to rent movies at Blockbuster or Rogers or Just Hollywood Video, cover. where you base it on the cover. And I remember I remember this so clearly. I picked this up and I saw Brian Usna's name on it. And Brian Usna was the producer of uh, Reanimator and From Beyond. And I was thinking, oh, great, because I love those movies. And they're very gross as well. Um <laughs> You're but a this, weird kid, man. I know, I know. And and <laughs> and he directed uh, this film, and so I'm like, I'm excited about this. Um, I don't, I don't know what to expect. Um, I didn't, I didn't know who the lead was. The, the lead's a guy named Billy Warlock, who was on Baywatch around that time okay, as well. Sick. Um, so I go to the, the the counter with this movie, and I'm about probably 10 or 11 and and the guy looks at me and he probably had seen that were you with your parents or your grandma or something uh my grandfather was probably there but they didn't they didn't mind me renting 80s horror movies like that's what i mean sometimes the people at the counter wouldn't let me rent. but no no no, but i remember having to rent scream and or american pie and having them to call my parents (laughs) right but no no it wasn't it it wasn't anything to do with that but what happened was because this person had to have seen it because as soon as i gave him the copy and it was they had cut out the VHS art and slipped it into yeah. their 
uh, VHS boxes. Mm. He looks at it, looks at me, and he goes, you have no idea what you're about to watch. Good. <laughs> and he was right. And it's kind of... For the like, it's kind of a boring movie. It's a slow burn film, but those last, last 20, twenty minutes, minutes are, are worth it because, again, like if you if you think Solo is disgusting, do a double bill with this. Wow. Okay, yeah. that's that's something. Uh, I didn't watch much this week, to be honest. Like, I don't. Uh, I guess we recorded last Friday. Um, had a busy weekend. It was WrestleMania weekend, so I watched uh, NXT Takeover. I watched WrestleMania. You came by with your brother. Um, we watched seven plus hours of WrestleMania. We had Thai. Um, we had Thai food. Yeah, we classed up WrestleMania a little bit. It was delicious Thai food from Sukhothai, right? Yeah. Um, really, really good Thai food. Um, watched WrestleMania. It was a really solid uh, WrestleMania overall. So I had a blast watching that. But um, best match. Uh, the best match. Um, that's I liked. I think the surprise of the opening Seth Rollins and um, Brock Lesnar thing was really, really cool. But I think the Kofi-Daniel Bryan match was probably my favorite. And uh, seeing Kofi Kingston win um, the WWE Championship was awesome and uh, had a lot of fun with it. It's exhausting. Like, it's so long and probably shouldn't be that long. But, um, yeah, it was literally like a full work day of wrestling on Sunday and then um, paired with the rest of the weekend with everything that was going on. And then I felt bad for um, Becky Lynch as well like just how with the like, ending how it kind of yeah like, yeah the ending was botched a little bit and it was kind of confusing and it was supposed to be her huge moment and the women main evented for the first time at wrestlemania which i think i mean shout out to wwe for being the most progressive athletic kind of thing that treats women almost like basically equal to men because you don't really get that and i'm watching the nhl playoffs right now and a women's hockey league just closed down and things like that so uh, it's just weird where wwe has gone from the brawn panties matches of the the late 90s early 2000s to um now, and the butterflies them, on the, on the yeah, belts. Yeah, on the Divas belt and things like and that. And just calling it the Divas League. Yeah, or... now they're women superstars. They main evented WrestleMania for the first time. It was a great match, actually, with Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair. All three are phenomenal athletes, and Becky Lynch is awesome. But, uh, yeah, the ending was a little confusing and weird, like the way that it was just ended on a roll-up and Ronda Rousey's shoulders weren't down. And it was I, I think her shoulders were supposed to be down, like it wasn't, and the table didn't break. Um, that they put Charlotte through, so it was just kind of an awkward ending, which was unfortunate. But um, and it was it was the last match, right? It was, yeah. yeah. And we got John Cena coming out as the Doctor of Thugonomics, uh, interrupting Elias. Uh, Undertaker came out on Raw the next night to interrupt Elias, and and that was fun. But um, a good weekend overall. But I didn't watch many movies because of that, because it's a weird time right now where it was WrestleMania. NHL playoffs just started, so uh, I'm a huge Leafs fan. I've always have been um, hockey. I, I played hockey as a kid, and um, I'm a diehard Leafs fan. Uh, so when the playoffs are on, that is number one priority. Um, they're facing the Boston Bruins in the first round, which is your brother Kyle's favorite team. Yeah. So we've had a fun back and forth there. And the Leafs won their first game last night, so they're up one. one what, what What did you send um, Kyle after the game? No, we were. Uh, Kyle and I are actually like because. We get it. We like each other. We're. Not, I'm not like you. Kind of. Okay. You. Yeah. We. You. You. 
kind of make fun of the other guy, but you don't be a dick. I hate people who take sports way too seriously. And like, I love it. And I got very excited and I'll yell at my TV, but I'm never one to um, like actually physically get angry at another fan of another team and things like that. I think that's a little overboard. And so we, Kyle and I have a back and forth, but we're like, we're both self-deprecating too, where we kind of make fun of our own teams as we're kind of talking to the other person. So uh, the Leafs have collapsed against the Boston Bruins many, many times. So um, I, I, I'm very glad they won the first game. That's all I watched last night. And uh, I haven't really watched many movies lately. The only movie I watched in the last week, I'm slacking um, a lot, was Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol, which I revisited because I'm following along with uh, Kind of Funny's in review series. So I watched Ghost Protocol. Still holds up very, very well. Um, the Abu Dhabi stuff is fantastic. Um, again, I love how each Mission Impossible feels like it's very much that director's film and they each feel different uh, from one another. Um, and that sequence on the Burj Khalifa is just spectacular. Oh, and, yeah. Um, uh, it's a really fun Mission Impossible movie. Like it's It has some serious moments, but... Um, I would say like take tonally coming from Mission Impossible 3 where Philip Seymour Hoffman was uh, intense and, and the movie itself with him having a personal con- connection to Ethan. This is a little bit more fun um, overall. And uh, I it's, it's big on the set pieces yeah. again. And like you you're like even just, you know, crews running through the sandstorm. Oh, yeah, it's and awesome. Stuff like that, that whole or, sequence is fantastic. Or even the way that and... they handle exposition between, like, the Leah Seydoux character and that one sequence in the tower and, and the idea, like, there's two conversations that are going on at the same time, but they're it's connected you through the editing and yeah. they're they're jumping back and forth, but the sen- it's like they're finishing their own sentences mm-hmm. is amazing. Like, that's, that's, again, I think the one thing that this series has not get, gotten enough credit for, especially the last three is the editing. Yeah. I think the editing of these movies is so precise and so spot on and keeps you engaged the entire time and it never lets you go until that final scene. Mm-hmm. And I think um, eliminating the second film, they get better and better each yeah. film. And, um, and it's so weird to see, you know, Brad Bird who made his live action debut with this and he, he, you know, it's just, it's so natural to him and yet he still brings a kind of... Um, you know, uh, animation style yeah, to charm the direction. To it. That's kinda yeah, how yeah. I... Like it's it, it doesn't feel like it's limited just based on like okay, now I'm playing in a real world. Like it's still inventive and fun and playful in 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 many scenes and in many ways. Like even the uh, the Kremlin scene. Yeah, with uh, the hallway. With the hall. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. It's a fantastic um, sequence. Yeah. But then him going from that to Tomorrowland. <laughs> oh, I know, which is unfortunate. <laughs> yeah. Tomorrowland wasn't an awful movie. It's just a like, very forgettable film. Yeah, like I don't remember a single it's, thing. It's a rear it. view mirror movie where, you know, you get in your car after watching it and you're driving away and you look back and that's all you can remember yeah, from it. I don't remember anything from it um, other than it being... I was like watched it and I was like I, I remember being exciting excited oh, I, for it. Same because of uh, Ghost Protocol yeah. and um, and Brad Bird's a great filmmaker. I and mean, then he kind of rebounded with Incredibles 2... Um, unlike Andrew Stanton with uh, John Carter, who then went back to finding. I mean, did you uh, like John Carter? I don't. I I don't hate it. I'm a I John just, Carter apologist. I'm, I feel like I, I've I've talked. About I would this. love to revisit it because I I it. talked about this with Battle Angel and Valerian. I think that John Carter falls in the category of it has inspired so many films that by the time you get 
a traditional... Doesn't feel original. It, yeah, but yet it is. It is yeah. the one that kind of gave every other movie its its influence. And yet when we make the, the original version into a film or a TV show, it just doesn't feel original anymore because it's already been borrowed from or stolen from and 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 the influences have have gone elsewhere mm-hmm. um but for the movie that it is it's fine i think it was there's one sequence in particular that was really great i don't think taylor kitsch was the right, right casting i agree for with the you film. um james purfoy who kind of shows up halfway through has one sequence that's a lot of fun in that movie but i don't think it's necessarily a bad film but man taylor kitsch had a bad year oh, he with did, that yeah. and uh, uh battleship. battleship and the savages yeah he did a, a slew of movies in a row where he really kind of it kind of killed his career i yeah. mean he's coming back now a little bit as like a tv actor um i heard he's really good in waco yeah yeah good for him uh and then a couple tv shows i've been watching uh i got back into broad city which i think i mentioned last you week. did yeah um, but I'm continuing, uh, finish the second season onto the third season and man, it's good. It's really, really funny. Um, just some of the, the, the best comedy writing I've seen in a really long time on TV and just like a perfect stoner show and just, um, t- with two really great genuine leads that I, I, I just believe their friendship and I believe, um, in them as a, uh, as absurd as the show can get sometimes, but I know that's the point. Um, uh, it's just feels so authentic and genuine to who those two two uh, women are and their friendship and and New York and uh, um, I love every minute of it and we're on to the third season. Have so. you gotten to the uh, the restaurant episode yet? Which one? The birthday. Yes. Where uh, <laughs> the allergic reaction? Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> to the shellfish. Yeah. Yeah. It's really funny. But there's so many great like so many great moments in that show and um, it, it's 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 really really excellent and i waited way too long to get into it but um if you guys have crave tv or, at least or you're discovering it now i mean yeah. you know better late than never exactly um and then i've been uh, i've watched all three episodes of the twilight zone so i uh, i think since last week i didn't um have you watched any yet uh just the comedian okay which i think is the weakest of the three yeah i did um, not like it even though i like kumail nanjiani a lot and i like jordan peele and you know, bringing I, this back. I'm like mixed on it. I don't mind it. I thought it was very okay. I thought it was way too long and very one note. Right. Um, where I, I kind of understood what they were going for right away. And it doesn't really kind of expand on that very much other than kind of repeats it over and over again until the, the end. It probably shouldn't um, have been the first episode. They probably should have started with the Adam Scott one. Have you watched it yet? Not yet. But, I like it, man. But that's the one you start with because... It's familiar, it's like the Force Awakens, like, yeah. right? It's the familiar. You get people back into you. Ease but that them could backfire into it. too, though, right? Right, because you could just say, "Oh, it's a carbon copy of the original," or like it's not as good as the other ones. Right, or... but at the same time, you look at the history of that show. I mean, besides the original incarnation, they've tried to remake it twice, and that doesn't include the imitators. I mean, as much as I like Outer Limits, Outer Limits was a complete ripoff of it, but. When they did it in the 80s, the one thing I like about the 80s one is the creepy opening. I'll show you it after uh, we record this episode because it's the one thing I still remember and being frightened of as a child. 
Um, but that didn't have like an inter. It didn't have a, a host. It just kind of played like an anthology series. Yeah. And then there was one in the early aughts that was hosted by Forrest Whitaker that was on. Uh, that I always remember being on the new VR. <laughs> Um, and it was just called The Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah? And it was also shot, I think, in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. And Forrest Whitaker... It was weird because it would just be Forrest Whitaker, like, just, like, in normal... Like, he wasn't even wearing a suit. Like, it was just Forrest Whitaker, like... <laughs> and, like, and, like he would come in at the beginning and the end, like, yeah. they normal, like, he, like Rod Serling was or, or Jordan, Jordan Peele. Peele. Yeah. And it would just be Forrest Whitaker reciting this monologue or talking about the... Summing up the episode, but it would just be like... <laughs> Why? Forrest Whitaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, whenever Jordan Peele comes on to this new series, I get so excited because I know that like theme's gonna come and and everything. And uh, I re- so I'm with you on the comedian. I was a little bit mixed on it to the point where I was like, nah, that wasn't super great. It was, okay. and I don't think it's saying anything that's um, re- like again. Jordan Peele is perfect for the social political commentary mm-hmm. in this, and I just feel that it didn't say anything that we didn't already know about comedy and about yeah. what you're willing to do to sacrifice for your personal fame. life and, and who you are for to a laugh be... For fame. Yeah, for yeah. fame and, and to be funny. Yeah, that's what I meant by, like, it's kind of one note. Um, I did like the Nightmare at 30,000 Feet episode. Um, slight change in title. Um, right. Uh, this is with Adam Scott, and it has been done before with William Shatner, and then also in the Twilight Zone movie... With John Lithgow, uh, With John right? Lithgow. Yeah. It, Directed by George Miller. So the only difference in this one, it's, uh, a, I mean, to use the word grounded in a Twilight Zone episode isn't. Um, well, especially the right word, for this episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but there's no gremlin. That's not right. a spoiler. Right. There's no gremlin. But It's John Lithgow. Um, there's a podcast, though. <laughs> right. A haunted podcast. So um, I thought that was a really cool concept. And um, I, I like how it was executed. I like the twist at the end. I. Um, uh, I like Adam Scott's performance and yeah, utilizing this podcast like this um, kind of like serial kind of like mystery podcast of what happened to this flight and he's listening to it as it's happening um, and how that plays out is I thought really, really cool. And um, uh, I thought it was, I mean, for someone who's already an anxious flyer, this whole episode kind of just, I just, it was tough to watch. Right. Um, uh, but really, really enjoyed that one. And then last night's episode, um, which was directed by um, – I got to pull up his name. The guy who directed uh, – Oh, uh, Gerald uh, McMurray. Gerard McMurray. Yeah, yeah he directed uh, First the First Purge. Yeah, he directed The First Purge. And um, similar to The First Purge, um, and you said the social And this commentary. is Replay, right? Replay, yeah. yeah. Replay was this one. Um, I had a, a political – commentary um episode of a um uh uh african-american mother and her son eating at this diner and she's taking him to um college and then uh this white uh police officer comes into this diner and basically and he's played by um, uh glenn fisher and a lot of people know him as uh the yellow king in uh a true detective. That's correct. I think we were talking about this last yeah. week, right? You you pitched this. Yeah, episode, yeah when so. we were watching uh, WrestleMania. Oh, when we were watching WrestleMania. Yeah. Okay, so not on the show. But, yeah, I was sitting over um, there, and you were sitting there. Yeah, she has a, a camcorder essentially, where she's like an old eighties nineties uh, camcorder, where she's recording the events of her driving her son to college for the first time, and then realizes that when she hits rewind on the camcorder, she can rewind time, like so, a Groundhog Day situation. 
situation. Exactly, but she can recall everything and she can control when she rewinds time. Um, and she starts to realize that. So as you can imagine how this maybe plays out, I don't want to give too much away, but um, it involves this police officer and her and her son, uh, and she has to keep reliving this over and over again until she can kind of find a way to escape it. Right. Um, and I think there's some... Uh, I mean, again, again, I think the political commentary or the message is a bit obvious right like, well even the way even that it's... what you're telling me that it's it's a an 80s 90s camcorder in the sense that that's the same kind of piece of home entertainment or tech consumer technology that shot the uh, rodney king beatings yeah. right and yeah. like that kind of thing and that plays into the yeah. episode and and over and over again she kind of has to rewind and i don't get me wrong think it's a great episode again there's, it's not subtext. It's very blatant and in your face of what it's telling you. And um, television is more um, so kind yeah. of used for that than than film. And maybe that works better for television because it's a condensed totally. hour. Totally. And right? I, I think it works. And I, I actually thought the episode was quite good. I thought all the performances um, uh, were great. And um, uh, again, not... And this is the thing, like, I was trying to explain to Nevis because she's like, I don't know if I want to watch it. Am I, I, is it going to be too scary or something? Just the series as a whole. And I'm right. like, that's not really what, like, what I like about The Twilight Zone is one episode can make you very anxious or, or one could be scary. But then one just is an interesting sci-fi concept that kind of um, has an interesting message too right and yeah like, i'm always surprised and, that m night Shyamalan wasn't the one that right wasn't rebooted. he rumored for a while no it was back? tales from the crypt that right. he was going to do because for me like that's where he probably got his influences for the sixth sense and the the twist i mean there is usually a twist in the, in, twilight, in zone. the twilight zone and and it's an idea that it makes you think and 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 go back to the beginning and and look at it from a different perspective knowing what happens and and that's the most thought-provoking aspect of that show and again rod serling knew how to interject social political um commentary into them and uh, for that time and, and i think and, peel's doing a good job at yeah. doing that in this as much as i don't think it necessarily works i think it's this a little has, more blunt yes and i think the comedian does that and so does this episode but i i liked this episode more than the comedian yeah um, i i think the best kind of um rip-off version of uh, the Adam Scott one and the John Lithgow uh, one was the Simpsons episode, Treehouse of Horrors, yeah, with the great. gremlin on the side of the, the bus, mm-hmm. and then Ned Flanders getting the gremlin at the end. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> that is a really, really good episode. So yeah, And it I looks mean, like Homer Simpson, too, which yeah. I thought was funny. But I mean, it's a, it's on City TV here in um, in Canada. So if you um, bought CBS Access in Canada, then... I don't think you have it. I haven't checked what was, that. What's the but... point for... Like, some people probably bought it just for, for Star that. Trek yeah. or this, and then And then they're both not playing on yeah it's, on it's weird um but yeah man i definitely uh, suggest going and watching the other two because i i had other people say the same thing of being like the comedian wasn't great but right what's interesting i mean it is an anthology series right so you have a new director a new cast uh for each episode so um next week's episode has steven yun and it's directed by anna lily armapur yeah um bad batch yes Girl so, walks home alone at night. I'm hoping it gets hella weird, right? And um, I'm super. Some Miami super into that. cannibals, perhaps. Yeah, I'm. Su- and I love Stephen Yoon. So um, I think after- Stephen Yoon was on um, on an episode of his other series, The Weird City. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard too much about that. 
No, I haven't either. Um, but excited for this. I haven't watched yeah. the teaser or trailer for the next episode yet. But um, what's great about this is like you could wait until all the episodes are out, kind of find which ones are supposed to be great and then maybe just watch those episodes or um i mean but i think you'll still get a lot even in even if the comedian's not great it i I wouldn't say like don't watch it if you are interested in the series like it's not um and also go back to the original series yeah like which was on sale i think on itunes for like 20 bucks for the oh that's a steal Um, hd and it's it's worth it i mean yeah there some of the episodes are dated and the acting style is different but there's some really good stuff on there And, and again like I think Rod Serling was one of the best writers around. And I mean, obviously before even the Twilight Zone with uh, Planet of the Apes, like you could tell, you know, like he, he, he found this perfect sweet spot between genre filmmaking and political uh, commentary and not watering things down, but using it as a disguise to get the message out there in such yeah. an inventive and clever way. Um, there's one episode of the Twilight Zone that I think a lot of people remember, and it's the one with Art Carney where um, he wishes that everybody in the world would just go away so he'd have more time to himself. Mm-hmm. And then that finally happens but because he wants to read books. And then at the end of it, he gets his wish but then his glasses break. Oh, right. I do, yeah. Yeah, and, and he's left alone and he has nobody to help him, you know, get new glasses or repair it. Like, and so it's like, be careful what you wish for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what it does best, right? Yeah. And it's not like Black Mirror. Like, obviously, Black Mirror took inspiration from Twilight Zone. But uh, Black Mirror is specifically about technology. And I would say, more often than not, Black Mirror has a incredibly depressing ending. <laughs> Right to every episode where Twilight Zone, I find it can, it but can, it doesn't but... necessarily. Yes, agreed. Yeah, so it's cool. I suggest people go check it out. Uh, all right, for staying at home, uh, anything on physical you want to mention? Uh, no, this week was kind of yeah sparse for for that stuff. There's there's um a, a Japanese animated movie that I do want to catch up with, but I haven't seen it yet, so right. I can't recommend it. Uh, Maria. Oh, right. Um, which was nominated for best foreign uh, for best foreign language for uh, best animated movie uh, at the, the Oscars. Oscars. Yeah. Uh, same with digital. I kind of went through and there wasn't much that either was on sale. Uh, some things came out to digital, but I usually kind of, for me, I don't like to buy things at full price on digital because they go on sale pretty quickly. So right. Uh, not a great movie, but a movie that we both kind of mildly enjoyed because of its goofiness. Um, I. Uh, uh, Aquaman is only thirteen dollars on uh, in four K on Canadian iTunes, um, and then also you wanted to mention the Elephant Man on Criterion Channel. Yeah, so if you have the Criterion Channel right now, you'll and I already talked a little bit about this. Um, they've curated a section for David Lynch movies, and one of them is um, his kind of his his first big film in terms of like a mainstream movie if you want to call it that in in the early 80s with Paramount, the Elef- right? yeah with the elephant man um produced by mel brooks um and, and co-starring uh Anne bancroft and starred uh, john hurt as john merrick um this has never been released on blu-ray in north america um so the best way to see it now is on the criterion channel in, in hd, HD yeah. and it is a depressing powerful piece of filmmaking that you wouldn't necessarily think right away that Lynch would be right for the material, especially since the only other film he directed before this was Eraserhead. (laughs) Um, But he uses a true story of, um, you know, exclusion and 
pain and cruelty of others being, you know, looked upon based on their looks and who they are um, and puts it in kind of the focus or the guise of a fantasy storybook kind of film the way that you would think of like a Pinocchio or something like that. And he sets like this is this is a master class in manipulation. Yeah. And he does it so well. Um I hadn't seen it for a long time and I probably won't watch it again for a very long time, but it is worth seeing and I really like Did you watch it on Criterion Channel? Yeah. Yeah. Because I hadn't seen I hadn't seen I had I had the DVD um, but I, I recently got rid of it, and um, because I, I had a, I had heard that Criterion was eventually going to release it down the line, and this proves that they're going to release it on Blu-ray um, at some point. Um, but it is a hard movie to watch. I mean, this was kind of one of the first big roles, also for Anthony Hopkins as the Doctor, that kind of helps him out um, a little bit. But what I remember most about this movie is the anecdote that uh, uh, Mel Brooks had, or, or David Lynch had about Mel Brooks. So. Um, David Lynch was hired to direct the movie, but Mel Brooks hadn't seen Eraserhead. So during pre-production in in London, um, Mel Brooks set up a screening of Eraserhead. And as soon as Mel Brooks went into the theater, David Lynch looked at the other crew members that were hired already to work on the film. And he goes, well, guys, it was nice working with you because he (laughs) thought he was going to be fired as soon as they watched. uh, Yeah. As soon as Mel Brooks specifically, because he was completely in charge of it. And then afterwards, Mel Brooks looked at David Lynch and was like, you are a genius. I, you were the perfect person to direct this, and and David Lynch was like, okay, okay, and uh, and and that's the thing. I, like, even if you don't like Mel Brooks's comedy uh, comedies, the thing I love about him as a as a person with taste is that he hired both David Lynch, and then he went on to produce The Fly. And when the original director of The Fly couldn't work on that movie, the person he wanted was David Cronenberg. So Mel Brooks fucked up, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, I'm, uh, we should mention too that, uh, Tiff just announced that they're doing a David Lynch retrospective at yes. the Lightbox. So I believe Elephant Man is playing. In I that. would hope so. And, and probably um, a straight story again. Right? Yes. I would love to see some of this stuff and some of it will be on uh, and Dune. 35 mil. Yeah. Which should be, uh, which is not a good movie. <laughs> no, I know. But I mean, but it's, hey. it's a curiosity. Like I would still yeah. recommend it to people who are interested in Frank Herbert's work and also just like how not to make that kind of movie. Right. And to, before we get Denny Villeneuve's version. Yeah. to see how it differs so um i'm excited to kind of check out some of lynch's stuff at lightbox because we did go to the fox a little while ago to watch uh, eraserhead, eraserhead and, and uh, twin walk, peaks fire walk with fire me, walk with me. which are both playing in this retrospective so i don't know if i need to see um i have the criterion of fire walk with me as well but um yeah i'm, I'm excited to kind of check some of those out in a in a theater as well uh, all right, let's go back into talk and trailers. So at the beginning of the episode, we talked about um, Star Wars, The Rise of Skywalker. I got to get used to saying that. Um, but there's a couple other trailers I wanted to go over this week. Uh, we don't have to spend too much time on them, especially because one movie looks like it is a complete shot for shot <laughs> remake of uh, of a movie that we both own on 4K and seen a million times. Uh, let's kick it off with John Favreau's uh, The Lion King. So this is the first. Can you yeah. feel 
the love tonight. So basically, uh, we got the first trailer yeah. for uh, we've had a teaser, which was the circle of life moment um, and a couple other shots. Uh, this this showcased uh, Chiwetel Ejiofor's scar for the first time. Doing most of the voiceover. Um, yeah, he's the only one we really hear other than James Earl Jones as uh, Mufasa. Um, Weirdly saying this is CNN. I don't know. I don't right. Know why. Yeah. Uh, it very much looks like a um, uh, well, shot for shot yeah, remake. And what they're really live. advertising here is the photorealistic yeah. animals, and I do have to say I am really impressed. It looks again. I see some people complaining about um the lack of ex- uh, expression on the faces, as well as the lack of the vibrancy of the colors of the original film, and I've seen some people complaining also that like what is the point because it's a shot for shot remake and i think the point is to what you said it's more of like a technical accomplishment and it's just, winning that visual and, effects oscar yeah, and i mean it, and again it's not a live action lion king because it's just it's photo real animation right? right but um even if they used people in kind of on green screen or recorded their faces to kind of um uh, match the how we see these animals speak, but like um, Rafiki looks amazing. The whole movie, like it looks fantastic, and I get that you're gonna lose some of that vibrancy from an animated kind of movie with colors and things like that. But just seeing a photo real Africa with these talking animals doing this story, this beloved story that we already know is fantastic. That, that traumatized children at a young age. And it age. will traumatize a new generation of children, um, probably even more so because it will look real. Right. Um, so yeah, I think Scar looks cool. Zazu looks cool. Um, like, again, they. It, I'm very, very impressed with And we saw this in Jungle Book, but you can see that uh, Jungle Book was, what, four years ago? Yeah. Uh, you can see how much they've even improved on that. And... Um, it definitely looks like it will be basically one to one to the original movie. I'm sure there'll be a well, little bit some, more, and, I, and but... I can't remember who it was, so I apologize that I can't credit and uh, the person who brought it up online. But somebody took a still of of um, the credits at the end of the trailer, and it showed that uh, Julie Taymor was an executive producer. Yeah, and so. Um, speculation is that they'll also include songs from the stage version as well. I could see that, especially, and then. I think maybe you'll, would you still get an original song because it's the first oh hell time. yeah they want an Oscar for so, that too well that's what I mean but like and if Elton you John use... specifically Elton John and Tim Rice um, I mean like they're bringing everyone back except for crediting the original writers right like, yeah and not paying um, them for the script that they wrote yeah it's that's 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 the part that sucks the most and, I think so and the all the that, other stuff whatever yeah and we, we're gonna get this shit it's fine I'm excited for it I'm still I know it's going to be if you know it's going to be the same movie right then just let it happen let, like either, which again I'm fine with that as well yeah. but the writers deserve to be I agree, paid for completely. that completely same thing with Aladdin and I mean the other thing that we haven't we, we've talked about it but we should always emphasize with this new Disney Fox merger is that a lot of good people at Fox yeah unfortunately lost their jobs mm-hmm. so you know for for every you know exciting piece of news about an avengers x-men pairing or what yeah. have you or fantastic four coming back to the fold you know you have to think well you know a lot of people whether it be in marketing or in research or or you know down the line aren't working right now because yeah. of that 
So. And then that goes to this, yeah, when you're not paying the original writers or not even crediting them. Yeah, which think, is like, strange because it's like, who wrote the an- script then? It's Animation's always been weird that way. And I think they've come out and said that. Like, they don't have the same WGA rules and stuff like that, I think. And, like, where, it, like, it's just, it's their dialogue. Like, it's the exact same lines. And, and it's going to be a weird year-end contender for awards if they so decide to campaign it. Because will it be... An animated film or a live action movie? It has to be animated. I like, but I, I think agree, that's one but, reason why. But but Jungle do they shoot in real Mowgli. locations? Right, like you have to think like like maybe right. there's a percentage of like that's what I thought with Jungle Book because I thought that might have been eligible because I think it has to be like eighty or ninety percent animated. I think, right. and then where Mowgli was the only real person in Jungle Book, right? Yeah, and then. But that never. But they also did shoot in, in some real locations, right? Like it right. wasn't just all. So a lot of the backgrounds and things like yeah. that are all real locations, yeah. right? And then it'll be interesting. I don't. I don't know how that will work, but it definitely. People are saying it's live action. It's an animated movie. It's just photo real animation. And don't get me wrong. I I think it's gonna just be heavily relied on nostalgia um but then also if if you have young kids and people who haven't seen lion king i mean if you're over the age of 10 i would think that you've seen lion king but maybe not but um it's a great a great movie and i'm sure this will be great and uh i'm excited to see how the different voice i'm Sort of, it's sort of interesting that they didn't showcase anyone else's voice other than Chiwetel Ejiofor, and obviously James Earl Jones, who we already know is great as Mufasa. But like, you hear a little bit of Seth Rogen in the Wimboway and the and um, Billy Eichner. Billy Eichner. Um, but just curious to see how those voices play into that script and that story that we right. already uh, that we already know. So. Um, I like again. It's hard to get ex- super excited for these movies because we already know what we're going to get for the most part. Um, but I think again, I'm looking forward. I'm just to excited when Billy Magnuson is going to show up in in this in movie Aladdin. as a new character right. in uh, Lion King, right. And be the uh, Nick Fury of the <laughs> the Disney <laughs> the live Disney action. remake live action films. And it's got like the one thing I am I am hopeful for. It's got to be better than Dumbo. Right. Yeah. Even I though mean, I mean Dumbo, we was, already know. A, Lion King is a better movie than Dumbo, though. So well, the original like, Dumbo was great, though. Yeah, I know. Um, fair, fair. Yeah. But you couldn't do it. Where Lion King, you could just... Except for the, the crows. Same. The crows are not good. <laughs> yeah. We don't like racists. Uh, let's go into another animated movie. Um, the first teaser for The Addams Family um, was released. Uh, it's got... It's Sony, the right? The so- and the cookie. Sony, Sony Animation yeah. is this? Um, which has got that Hotel Transylvania kind of look to it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would have loved a live action um, Adam's Family with Oscar Isaac. Well, Tim um, Burton was originally speaking of Dumbo. Tim Burton was originally supposed to direct this a while ago, and he was going to make it stop motion animation the way that he did um, as a producer on Frank uh, the and Nightmare Weenie Before and, Christmas yeah. and Corpse Bride and Frankenweenie. And, and I was like, that actually could look really cool and would be an interesting approach to to that. Mm-hmm. Um, storyline and I actually really like the Barry Levinson films although I have it's been Same. a while since I saw yeah. them as a kid I liked them um, yeah I remember being really creeped out by them and, and I liked the original series and then they did a reboot in the 2000s that would always play on YTV um, but this I just didn't I, 
I didn't really connect to it. At no, all. same. I mean, I even like I even like the casting. I mean, Oscar Isaac, I think, is obviously meant to Perfect. play yeah. uh, Gomez Adams, but like again, I just think the animation is just maybe not for me. I agree, and I think that's why I could never get into the Hotel Transylvania movies either. Yeah, like those the cast of being the the happy Madison kind of crew. Um, but the, the last one I never even got through, um, hotel Transylvania, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know my, I, I don't sure. That's basically, I'm what almost my, indifferent on it. That like, same. Yeah. It, I mean, it could win me over again. I, I like the source material. I like the original show. Cause who else do you have? You have, uh, Oscar Charlie Theron as, um, uh, Morticia, Morticia. And then you have Chloe Grace Moretz as Wednesday. Yeah. Um, who's Pugsley? Oh, is it Finn Wolfhard? Yes, I believe so. So interesting cast. There's other people yeah. in there too. But, Uncle Fester um, and uh, Lurch mm-hmm. and it mm-hmm. and the thing. Mm-hmm. And then I think like Elsie Fisher's playing a role in there as well, but I she's not so. one of the family members, right? Uh, so yeah, curious to see how that uh, plays out. But I'm I'm kind of with you where I watched it. I tried. I had to watch it again because I forgot what was in there. There's an it joke, like you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, uh meh whatever and then finally um i think the last trailer i put on here was anna anna yes uh, oh yeah uh little i guess luke basson uh directed uh i there's he's problematic lately right <laughs> very problematic yeah um, so i'm surprised that uh that this is getting released um there's some back and forth on um luke basson right now well, yeah, I mean, we shouldn't sugarcoat it. I mean, he's um, been accused of sexual abuse. And I wasn't rape. sugarcoating more so than I wasn't sure exactly. It's, so what there was, was one case that came up, I think it was sometime last year, and then there's been multiple cases that have been brought up since. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the old saying where, you know, there's smoke, there's fire kind of. Oh, yeah, um, I mean, totally. The movie itself, from the trailer, I mean, it looks like a combination of La Femme Nikita and Lucy. And Lucy. Um, I, I kind of didn't mind the um, the restaurant fight, just in terms of, like, the Same, plates. yeah. But I am surprised that Lionsgate is giving it a, um, a, a, a theatrical release, because you look at something like uh, Dragged Across Concrete, and even though that played at uh, Venice last year, it skipped most of the festival circuit and got a day and day release in the U.S. and is coming here at the end of April, also streaming on VOD. And I think a big part of that is because both Vince Vaughn and especially Mel Gibson mm-hmm. are in the movie. And, you know, um, that's sometimes how they have to deal with that kind of thing. So it is interesting that th- this is getting a high profile release. And, and again, it's not... To discredit anybody else that worked on the movie, agree. Because or... again, I the trailer I I thought was actually okay, and I, yeah. I was sort of into the. It looks like a fun, you know, modern Cold War esque movie that's mm-hmm. you know going to probably be a trashy Euro action flick. Yeah, and then just so we're clear, yeah, he was accused by uh, of rape by actress San Van Roy, and then five other people have come out um, with accusations, some being two students uh, at Sight to Cinema, and then uh, a former assistant as well as a f- employee at Euro- Europa Corp. So yeah, not great. Um, and I'm I was with you um, where I was surprised it was even getting a release, or someone would kind of 
back him. Like again, I love the fifth element. In, and innocent Leon, until the proven guilty. Yeah, but same. Like you said, where they're like with five women coming out, like. Uh, it just doesn't make sense that people would just make this shit up. Yeah. Right? And, and I love Leon the professional, but I mean, it's very problematic. That's as what I well. mean. Like the whole, you can see throughout his, like I'm not completely surprised of the allegations. Exactly. Throughout because the subject matter in some yeah. of his films and stuff like that, where you're like, okay, I could, I could see that. Yeah. And um, so anyways, I just wanted to bring that up. We don't need to go too much into detail, but that um, comes out in June, right? I believe so. I don't know if it has a distribution in Canada, though. I don't know if it will. Yeah. Um, We'll see. All right. Let's get into some news. Uh, I want to quickly go over the Disney Plus news that came out yesterday. Yeah. I mean, we might as Um, well because we've talked about Disney enough. Enough. (laughs) Uh, Our corporate overlords, as the Simpsons put or Homer Simpson put in that video, which was so weird to see the Simpsons. uh, I did kind of laugh that the Rupert Murdoch photo was in the trash can. Oh, was it? Yeah. It was on the side. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah, Yeah, that's good. And then you have Bob Iger's statue and Darth Vader and things like that. And they were all putting on the Mickey ears. Except Bart, Um, really. Yeah. I mean, he eventually confirmed. Reluctantly. So um, I'll just quickly go over the details. I mean, we can start with the Simpsons. All 30 seasons of the Simpsons. Well, not all 30, but up to season 30 will be on Disney Plus uh, on did day one. Did they get FX as um, well? Yeah, they did. Okay, because Simpsons right now is playing on FX, FX a lot. X yeah. all the time. I know, yeah. I, um, so uh, you'll get... Uh, basically, I'll kick it off with it's going to be seven ninety nine American a month or seventy nine ninety nine for the year. Um, which in Canadian dollars? Probably. They haven't announced that yet, and I have some... Like, I don't know... I've heard conflicting reports that it will launch on November 12th. Sorry, November 12th is a launch. $7.99 American, $79.99 American for the year if you want to bundle. Um, probably $10 a month here in, in Canada. Yeah. Um, yesterday, if you went to the Disney Plus website, the Canadian one, it gave you a countdown to November 12th. I went on it today. That countdown is no longer there on the Canadian website. So... And they put out a chart saying their roadmap of when they're going to launch. So it's U.S. first. They said North America, all of North America by Q1 2020, which all of North America means Canada because right. they're already in the U.S. Um, so I have a th- I think we might not get it until early next year, but we'll see. Uh, and then Europe and, and the rest of the world, Australia, things like that throughout uh, 2020 and 2021 into 2022 i think i think they said they'll take about two years to get worldwide um but they announced uh, a lot of the new films and shows that they're going to be uh, having original and some library stuff which i mentioned with the simpsons but uh from marvel studios i will list off what they announced so they're going to have the falcon and the winter soldier a live action series with anthony mackie returning as falcon and sebastian stan reprising his role as winter soldier i'm reading from the official disney investors that's why you sound like a, a corporate sellout (laughs) <laughs> uh wandavision which is that a is a, that is a funny title it, <laughs> it is, is catchy great. it's stupid but uh like in the in a good way I it's think. memorable like you do yeah. you, like out of all those titles it's 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 the least generic like right falcon like, and and the winter soldier sounds like that timothy hutton sean penn film right. the snowman and the falcon right okay uh, fair yeah so wandavision which is obviously a scarlet witch and vision series starring uh both elizabeth olsen and paul bettany um the one that's the most intriguing for me uh is marvel's what if 
which is a uh, the first animated series from Marvel Studios. We talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, it's going to be run by Kevin Feige and Marvel Studios, and it's going to take inspiration from the comic book series. Uh, each episode will explore a pivotal moment from the Marvel Cinematic Universe and turn it on its head, leading the audience into uncharted territory. So it looks like it's going to play into that first 10 years of the MCU and big moments that we we got in the cinematic universe and then do an animated spin on that. And they announced that the first episode is going to be about Peggy Carter. If she and, became Captain America. Yeah, if she got the super... Or Captain yeah. England. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting of where they go with that, right? right. And then, um, But she gets the super soldier serum, and then uh, Steve Rogers stays scrawny Steve Rogers, but he gets a... Scrawny Steve? He gets a Iron Man suit, essentially, from Howard Stark. So right. he gets a, a, a mech suit of some sort. So kind of like the Hulkbuster um, in a weird way. Yeah, something like that. I don't know if... Or maybe just the Iron Man suit, right? So right. maybe Steve Rogers becomes Iron Man, but in the in the 50s. But And then... Uh, or maybe it'll be like the uh, Mark One suit that um, Tony creates or something similar to that. Um, and then Peggy Carter being Captain America. So that's kind of cool. And they're going to get Captain the, England. Um, yeah. Um, and they're getting, I think, um, they're getting the voice actors from the MCU to come back and do these. So You um, mean the actual actors, yeah. yeah. Like Haley well, Atwell. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The actors to do the voice acting. <laughs> yeah. Haley Atwell and, and Chris Evans. And um, uh, I think that's and super, super cool. And I'm, I think that's the one I'm most intrigued by when it comes to the Marvel series. Right. And it'll probably um, be better or it'll probably be something that they can really focus on instead of doing those one shots. Exactly. Right. This will take the and they're not in continuity and you can kind of have fun with them, yeah. right? And they can be their own thing. Exactly. And it's also kind of it also sort of I guess satisfies like the fanboys and conspiracy theorists and the people that are always, you know, hypothetically ask those questions as well and it's like, okay, well, we'll we'll give you that version and you'll have it and you can watch it, but it's not necessarily canon, but at least now you know like how this would work. But then. I think they would make yeah, fun one-shot stories yeah. and I think that'll be really really cool. And the and I'm curious to see if each episode will have a different animation style, like maybe like Love Love Death and Robots or right. or is it going to be a consistent or are they going to try to do style? something inventive in the way that you know, Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, you know, kind of blurred the lines between different technologies and, and played around with it. I think that would be really cool. Like if you got different creators and one looked like an anime and one looked like CG and one was hand-drawn animation, maybe you get some Disney animators from different, maybe Pixar makes an episode or maybe like that could be really cool. Yeah. Right? Or the um, animation is inspired by the animation of that time. That or the era, drawings right? Of that era. Yeah, yeah. That'd be really cool. Um, from Walt Disney Animation Studios, we have Into the Unknown, Making Frozen 2. So a documentary um, looking into the creation of, of Frozen 2. So when do, um, when does this, when does the site launch again? November 17th. November does, 12th or when 17th? Does, when does that movie November come out? November. So it'll be right around then. Okay, so is it? I guess it would be kind of leading up to the release of the Possibly film? Possibly or? or right after. Yeah, because like I, I find that would be a little weird because like, it, I think more people would watch it if it was building up to the release it's possible frozen could be late november yeah i'm not sure but i'll have to it just seems like people wouldn't want to really watch a behind the scenes there could be a thing where we could find out when frozen was getting released yeah i don't know where we'd find that information uh pixar is doing um a toy story based project called forky asks a question which is an animated short series uh and the short better than the original uh title that they had i don't want to even ask okay don't (laughs) Um, 
And then they're also doing a short film based on Bo Peep called Lamp Life. Um, Maybe that'll fill in the gaps I to think what so. happened with her. And- Seems like it. Uh, from National Geographic, we're getting The World According to Jeff Goldblum, which is a documentary series where Jeff Goldblum pulls back the curtain on seemingly familiar on a seemingly familiar object to reveal a world of astonishing connections, fascinating science, and a whole lot of big ideas. Cool. <laughs> I with, mean, with Chef Goldblum? Yeah, I mean, that sound, I'm totally into that. Frozen um, opens on November 22nd. So this will be leading up to yeah. that. Which um, makes sense, because I think you'll get more people to watch it than if it was like an app, like a special feature a post kind of thing. credit yeah. thing or a post note kind of watch. Yeah. I'm sure they'll time it very close to it. Yeah. Um, it might be day one. It might be after. <laughs> There's a whole episode dedicated to like them apologizing for the Olaf short. <laughs> uh, Magic of the Animal Kingdom, uh, a documentary series uh, going behind the scenes with the highly respected animal care experts, veterinarians, and biologists at Disney's Animal Kingdom and Epcot's Sea Base Aquarium. Um, sorry. Um, Indigestion. Yeah. From Disney Television Animation, you get the Phineas and Ferb movie an animated film featuring uh, a lot of the original voice cast of Phineas and Ferb. Uh, Phineas and Ferb, after my time, I don't really... Same. Yeah, I don't know much about Phineas and Ferb. Uh, Ferb. Uh, scripted originals previously announced for Disney Plus include The Mandalorian, which is the Star Wars series that we, um, we've discussed over and over again. Uh, the one made by Jon Favreau. Um, well, produced and, and with showrun. Taika Waititi directing and voicing IG88. Yes, and Bryce Dallas Howard and and um, Dave Filoni. Werner um, Herzog. Uh, Werner Herzog is supposed to be playing a villain, which is amazing. Uh, they have the brand new series of Star Wars: The Clone Wars, which is returning. Uh, and that's animated, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. They have High School Musical: The Musical: The Series, <laughs> which is the actual title of that. Um, there is an untitled Cassian Andor series starring Diego Luna and Alan Tudyk. Uh, we have the Marvel Studios series Loki starring Tom Hiddleston. Uh, Monsters at Work, which is the uh, sequel to Monsters, Inc. Uh, with uh, John Goodman John and Billy Goodman Crystal returning. reprising their voices. Um, which is crazy. We're getting a lot of like sequels and continuations on this. Is like Well, maybe that's uh, a good thing in some ways because maybe they can do all of that there and then create original content for the films again like especially with the pixar stuff yeah agreed um diary of a female president i don't quite know what that is there's no details on here it said it was previously announced so i'm not sure uh a live action maybe it's a what if if hillary clinton (laughs) got elected (laughs) uh live action films lady in the tramp uh, which is starring Justin uh, Theroux and Te- Tessa Thompson. Yes, uh, Noel, which is the Anna Kendrick, Kendrick. Christmas movie. Togo, don't I have no idea. Know. Timmy Failure and Star Girl, um, and then you- Star Girl I think is directed by Julia Hart and produced by Jordan Horowitz. Okay, um, they she has a movie coming out um, this month in the U.S. Anyways, called fast color i don't know if you've seen the trailer for it or not but it's kind of like a um a superhero film in the vein of logan um with gugu and batha raw and then jordan horowitz is the producer who was also uh the producer of la la land yes i know that um so again sorry i wish i had descriptions but i'm just reading this off of this note uh they also have some non-fiction series that they already announced called be our chef 
Uh, with Chef Goldblum? <laughs> I hope so. Cinema Relics, iconic art of the movies, which is a working title. Earth Keepers, which is a working title. Encore, uh, which is the untitled Walt Disney Imagineering documentary series. Uh, that'll be cool. I'm, I'm always fascinated by the, the guys who create all those rides and stuff at Walt Disney World and, right. and, and stuff. So I, I, I'm excited so for that. So basically what this all um, sums up to is that this blue apple pluses mm. shit out of the water. <laughs> yep. Uh... All 30 seasons of The Simpsons will be on the service day one. You only Um, watch seasons two through ten. Yeah. Uh, They'll also have uh, some Fox titles like The Sound of Music, uh, The Princess Bride, and Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah, I Um, saw that photo. There was some weird, like, um, oh, uh, Rookie of the Year. Yep. was like on their their yeah, they said uh, a collection of more than 7500 television episodes and 500 films including blockbuster hits from 2019 and beyond so right and they said like captain marvel will be on there when it launches and a lot of the yep. marvel studio films so they said within the first year all of the star wars films will be on there um uh Captain Marvel will be the first Maybe MCU. not including the holiday special. Yeah, the first MCU movie will be Captain Marvel. Um, and yeah, it looks uh, impressive, man. I'm uh, uh, I'm excited for it. I am too. I mean, the one thing I, I am skeptical is that 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 price won't stay the same. Um, it'll like Netflix, like any That's streaming anything, service. Though. Yeah, it'll it'll rise. Inflation is everywhere. Yeah. So I mean, I don't. I mean, kudos to them for even going to that price but right um like anything it'll inflation and the more content they make and the more yeah and still i mean and you want people to get in and then do exactly what you're saying yeah you you go in low and then you go oh we're only increasing it by a dollar and then go to the next year like netflix is doing now Yeah. yeah and then it will probably be its direct competition for netflix um where apple plus is still kind of a question mark and i could see that kind of backfiring on them we'll see i don't know uh all right more news um there's a grease prequel coming <laughs> <laughs> called summer lovin so that whole happened so fast that whole song that we got you're gonna it's gonna be a movie it turned into two hours great um i don't even love grease and isn't that song problematic too i feel like if you look at the lyrics yeah like summer loving happened, happened so, fast. so fast i can't remember the rest of it uh, my phone's gonna i always like grease is the word instead which is the opening oh song i love I, I just go back and watch that opening credits my phone's gonna die can you pull up the news on your phone yeah sure um Sorry, guys, we're recording off of my desktop computer today because my laptop was not charged. Grease is the um, I don't really have any more. I, I, I like Grease. and it's um, I, I It's one of those things like it, it it's beloved and it has such a passionate following. But it's like it's the same thing with Sound of Music where like I like, for example, my mom loves that movie and I just it's not my thing. Where, right. like, I connected to, like, Rocky Horror Picture Show or, Fair. you know, Streets of Fire. Those are my musical movies. Or yeah, Quadrophenia. Yeah. yeah. Fair. All right. Um, so, uh, Grease prequel. You can uh, just read the headlines, and I, I feel like we both know. Okay. So, uh, Rich Moore is taking over Sony 
uh, pictures animation. Yeah, I think I don't know if he's taking over or if he's just moving over. Or but moving like, over. So uh, Rich Moore, who is the director of uh, the Wreck-It Ralph films, as well as Zootopia, correct? Yes. Um, he is moving from Disney Animation over to Sony Pictures Animation. So I thought that was a big move. Um, uh, an interesting move on his part. I'm wondering after Spider-Verse if you're going to see them bring in... Because no offense to Sony animation, but I feel like, I mean, they've done great stuff before, but I feel like Spider-Verse really kind of... Well, they've won an Oscar now. Yeah, and and, I mean, from a storytelling perspective, um, uh, Pixar was always the animation studio and Disney, but like... Right, and they're also hiring people that don't have questionable backgrounds, like Skydance hiring John Lasseter has already cause problems for them in terms of right um casting like emma thompson leaving and things like that so you know hiring someone like him you know you're saying like we're hiring people that are on the up and up and are respectful of others and you know like Mm -hmm. again we're trying to we're trying to elevate our 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 uh division and and now that they i I, it's probably like this added pressure because of spider-verse winning but maybe that's a good thing as well because maybe they'll take more chances now that's what i I feel like spider-verse was a gamble i agree all Uh, right so the uh next story we have is idris elba um is playing playing a different character than originally uh, suspected as he was going to play deadshot but now he's playing somebody else. Right. And Polka we don't dot man, maybe? <laughs> we don't know which character he's playing. No. But the rumor is now that they are writing out the Deadshot character because they uh, Amanda Waller is coming back, Captain Boomerang's coming back. And possibly Harley uh, Quinn, but that and, hasn't been confirmed right. yet. Right. So this one's all over the place, but uh, I'm glad to see that Idris Elba is playing a different character. Yeah, and um, they, and from what I read that they're leaving the door open for Will Smith to come back if he wants to or if they like if this one is successful maybe they'll do kind of a a, a medley for a third one where it's like a combination of both mm-hmm. squads and and yeah, again, like I I would like Idris, I mean, I would like Idris Elba to stop making comic book movies right. <laughs> and find good material because I think he is a great actor and great movie star because even fast and furious pretty much a comic book movie. yeah oh yeah i mean he even says it that like i'm the bad guy and like you know yeah. like he's talked about being like the black superman in that movie and um and it's cool that's cool but um i just think that he's just wasting some of his potential but i mean he's getting paid for it he's making those decisions but i just feel like He's a guy that should be up there right now with, like, the biggest names and, like, should be, like, a four-time Academy Award nominee and is just, like, you know, doing a lot of crap. Mm-hmm. You know? He's always the best part of bad movies. Yeah. Or or at least just compelling. Like, I again, you know, The Mountains Between Us. Remember awful that? Awful Beauty. <laughs> awful. But I understand awful. why he wanted to do that. And, and, again, like, maybe on paper that looked more prestigious than it actually was. Yeah. Um, so, uh... Speaking of the comedian on uh, the Twilight Zone and uh, comic book movies, <laughs> yeah, and comic book movies, Kumail Nanjiani uh, joins the Eternals with Angelina Jolie. Yeah, uh, we don't know who he's playing. I don't. No. I don't think the but, comedian uh, <laughs> from the um, Watchmen. But I mean, you get an MCU character, and you get an MCU character. Well, it's more like you get a paycheck to buy an extremely uh, nice mansion, and right, you too. Yeah. I mean, good for him. Yeah. I, uh, I, I like Kumail a lot. Um, I, I'm curious if he'll play a similar role that he's gotten in the past or if it will be a, a bit more heroic um, or if he'll be playing a... I don't know. It's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, Kumail uh, is great, but I just can't envision him playing 
like a god or something like that too but um but again i couldn't picture a lot of the people in the MCU star of the upcoming there. movie stuber um, which yes. we didn't talk about because they with, had the preview with for drax that, uh on uh WrestleMania. wrestlemania yeah it doesn't look great no it doesn't i like michael um, Dowse, though the director as well mm-hmm. um so next up we have uh, Drew Goddard's next project, which is not X-Force. It is Sabrina, and it's not to be confused with the, the Harrison Ford Witch. movie or the Audrey Hepburn film, or as you mentioned, the uh, teenage, Sabrina the Teenage Witch. It is based on a graphic novel. Yes, it sounds cool. Yeah, it's like a missing person storyline of some sort, and it's sort of about a guy who whose girlfriend disappears. I think so, and yeah. then uh, a kind of a mystery element to it, but some sci-fi elements too. And uh, I mean, I I love Drew Goddard, and um, I uh, uh, yeah, X Force. I I didn't expect to happen, especially with the Disney Fox deal um, right going down. Um, and it will be interesting moving forward to see how Deadpool does fit into the. The, the the scheme of things overall and because he might you. be the one that actually um uh comes over and probably would make the most sense to bring over but um and just introduce the same actor and character into this world but right um yeah I, I not much is known but it's just nice to see that he's he's got another project coming down the pipeline and and i'm a huge fan of his and uh, i i can't wait for that yeah, I'm I'm excited as well. I, I mean, I I hope it's not as long a wait between Cabin in the Woods and uh, well, that's what Bad I mean, Time right? Royale, I mean, so. and I love Bad Times. I mean, a movie that's underrated. It's one of the most underrated movies yeah. last year. Yeah, and I I, I still think that it had uh, an Oscar worthy performance from Cynthia Revo that uh, was not really looked at. It's criminally all. underlooked. I think she'll movie. be around a lot this year with the Harriet Tubman biopic that's coming out in the fall yeah. from Focus Features. Um, so the next story we have is. Sadly, Will Ferrell and Adam McKay are splitting uh, their production company, Gary Sanchez. They're parting ways. They're going in different directions and making different One's movies. an Oscar-nominated no, director. No, now. one's an Oscar-winning yeah. filmmaker who uh, won uh, for adapted screenplay for The Big Short. Yeah, yeah. So. And directed Vice. Do you think that's the reason here? Is just that Adam McKay is kind of stepping away from the Will Ferrell type movies now, and he's gotten and too big for his bridges. That's what I mean. Like maybe a little bit. I kind of got that when he was doing the press run for Vice, where it was like because Will like, Ferrell I, did produce Vice, right? But yeah. I bet you he was pretty hands off. It was probably just because it was their production company. Yes, right? and Will Ferrell wasn't is not even a member of the PGA. That's yeah. why he didn't get nominated for. Vice being nominated right. for picture. That's why he wasn't included. Um, it, I think it was similar, actually, to when uh, Brad Pitt produced um, The Departed. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, they've known each other for. And it was amicable. And, and yeah. like, they both said, like, we love each other and we're, it's just, we're at different points and we just feel like this is the right time to maybe step away and do different things, right? Right. And, like, and um, work on different projects. So I'm assuming they just didn't have anything in the pipeline that ache into their. There's stuff like Step Brothers and things like that. Yeah, because McKay right now um, is working on Succession Season 2, which is that HBO series about a kind of wealthy family in the Wall Street uh, world. And then also he's been trying to get that Elizabeth Holmes movie off the ground uh, called Bad Blood right? with uh, Jennifer Lawrence. But- Although that might be in conflict because they recently announced that Hulu is making a series called The Dropout with Kate McKinnon in that role. Yeah. 
I don't know, man. But like, unfortunately, I mean, I love Step Brothers. I love um, uh, Anchorman, and like, I love their collaboration. But obviously, it's just Talladega Nights. Yeah, uh, it's they're stupid, and uh, I mean, at least I, they got a trilogy. Totally. And I know that they. I think we've talked about this before, but they were going to do a a, a third film, but I mean, just it didn't look like it was appropriate for the timing right now because it was with like that a border, border drama crossing. Yeah, it was a comedy though. Oh yeah, sorry. Uh, Not with drama. Uh, him and John C. Riley again. Yeah. So and then they ended up doing Holmes and Watson <laughs> instead. <laughs> Have you seen it yet? No, not yet. But I will. I will catch up to it. I, I, I Ryan Johnson put out that tweet the other day. Um. Uh. And he was just like, I apologize to everyone who was on this airplane with me as I watched Holmes and Watson and laughed like a. I forget the, who he mentioned in the tweet, but like he's like, I laughed like an idiot, and there was well, a lot of people coming out and defending <laughs> Holmes and Watson, which isn't. I mean, it's just as it's as bad as you would expect it to be. Right. And if you if you go in but knowing, there's a lot of filmmakers that like bad movies or movies that not not are bad. But I I'm defending Holmes and Watson. Right, right, I enjoyed right, right. It. But it's the same thing with like Zoolander. Like people right. are always shocked when they hear Terrence Malick. It's one of Terrence Malick's favorite movies. We, I go back and I I feel like I'm I say this all the time, but it's subjective, right? right? A sense of humor is different. Like you might laugh at the dumbest, most juvenile thing ever, even if you're a sophisticated. Um, like the uh, uh, person, and like it's just I I feel like there's nothing wrong with that, and like Holmes and Watson, I knew what I was getting, and right. it delivered on that. <laughs> it's not not a great movie at all, but like I still laugh. I From like not Ethan Cohen. Yeah, I I like seeing Will Ferrell and John C. Riley together and just be goofballs, and that's why uh, I enjoyed Holmes and Watson. But yeah, unfortunate to see them split, but I'm sure they'll cross paths at yeah. some point. Uh, Christopher Nolan has hired a different uh, editor. For yeah, I wanted his to get your thoughts film. on this. Like uh, Jennifer Lame, I yeah, believe, who is d- uh, edited Hereditary. Hereditary, and there was something. Oh, she's done Noah Baumbach's films as well. Yes. Um, I'm interested. I, I mean, Lee Pace has done a bulk of of his films, and maybe it's time in the way that um, you know, Wally Pfister left to go direct that horrible transcendence movie did wally fister get back into cinematography or what's he doing now? i think he i think i think he's still in director's yeah. jail for that one because i feel bad he's a great cinematographer he is he is i mean even moneyball is 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 beautifully shot um yeah so i mean maybe that's maybe that's a good thing it's gonna change things up a little bit and again like it's showing maybe now that nolan is embracing you know different perspectives and different styles and not just going for the same generic white guy. So, you know, he's actually cast a man of color in his lead role for the first time in a movie. Um, a, a woman is editing his film. Like, it feels like now, like... You might need a female perspective. Too. Yeah, or at least it'll... it'll, it'll well, his maybe, wife always produces Yeah, 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 too, Emma right? Thomas. But um, it's just nice. It's just different. Like, and, and I'm excited to see how that's going to change or not, or maybe they'll, maybe she'll adapt to his style, or maybe she'll bring something different and make the movie <laughs> intense and freaky like Hereditary. Who knows? Yeah, I'm um, curious. To but see. yeah, it's very exciting. And then the last bit of news, which is was announced a few weeks ago, but we keep forgetting about it. But the thing that I thought was interesting and worth talking about is that you know, going from uh, one Brit to another, and one directing a war movie to another is Sam Mendes directing his film 1917 um, which is with a large cast of Roger actors Deakins. From, yeah and cinematographer Roger Deakins but a Single large shot, cast of right? uh, uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy 
So you have the Colin Firths, the Benedict Cumberbatches, the Mark Strongs all appearing in the movie. And then on yeah. top of that, as you mentioned, Roger Deakin shot the film and it's supposedly in one take. And it's about two British soldiers on one day in, in World War One. So do you think camera tricks to make it look like yeah. one take? Because there's no way. No. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So it's going to look like... Um, like It'll look great. Of, not Children of Men because that was only one sequence. Birdman. Birdman. Yeah, yeah. Which... Uh, what Matt? Wrong Spanish director. Sorry. Ew. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm excited for that. That's, I mean, I, I, Roger Deakins, I would watch shoot shit. Yeah, and I think that's the reason why also Deakins is not shooting Dune. Yeah, he'd be occupied on this. So uh, Deakins is a legend, man. And uh, yeah, again, I'm a very nice guy. A, really nice yeah, guy. Yeah, you were mentioning that. Um, some sweet white hair. Oh, yeah. But I would watch him photograph literal dog shit and he would make it look amazing. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, excited for that. I like Sam Mendes a lot too. So um, yeah, yeah, cool. And man. that's uh, it for sort of big news. Um, and that's it. Um, that wraps uh, another wonderful show. Kicked off. It feels like a million years ago when we. It feels like a long time ago in a galaxy far, 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 far away, away when we talked about Star Wars: The Rise of Skywalker. So, whew, been a big episode and a big day. Um, yeah, and then to the news that Eric was alluding to at the beginning of this show, um, uh, I don't think this will change the podcast all that much, but there might be some upcoming changes. So, uh, as you guys know, when we started this podcast, I left my, um, position at Rogers, um, due to just needing to find myself again and find what I loved doing. And this is an element of that. Uh, but I have recently taken a position. Um, so I have a new job. So I'm starting that on Monday and a few days from now. Um, I can give you more details probably upcoming, but I don't think that should change anything that Eric and I are doing here. So um, or at least drastically, in drastically, like yeah. you, like think- we'll still try to do this once a week. I mean, I mean, already we've been doing this mostly in the last few weeks anyways on Friday. So mm-hmm. if we record, whether it be on a, a, a Thursday night or, or, or Saturday, on, or morning, Saturday we're still going to do it weekly. Um, just bear with us as we kind of figure, it, figure out. it out. Yeah. And again, like the I'm, I'm going to work at an advertising agency. And because of that, there might be some things that I need to either be upfront about with you guys of like, hey, disclaimer, disclaimer that I work for a company who works on stuff like this or some things where I might have to step back and not comment on and things like that. Which, guess what? Uh, <laughs> I'm going to do the talking <laughs> for both of us because I'm Just owned by you. nobody. You can do the talking for you. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Uh, yeah, I know. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'll give you more details and we'll, we'll figure it out as it goes. I don't think, again, we're going to aim for every week. Uh, we're going to aim to keep reviewing stuff on the other channel. Um, yep, we're all we, um, we're already uh, we we're going to be seeing N- Avengers Endgame very soon, and mm-hmm. we'll have a review for that mm-hmm. um, pretty quickly. Uh, when I hope the embargo so. Breaks, yeah. so. Yeah, exactly. So um, that's all confirmed, and then moving forward after that, the reviews will. Uh, depending on if I can, again, I just will have to step away from the seeing stuff early in the mornings and have to go to the night screenings, which is just inside baseball stuff for you guys. I hope it doesn't change too much on when those reviews drop because we time them to be pretty close to the uh, the day of the release. Or anyway. when the embargo has been lifted. Yeah, so depending on how early we see things and if I can see them at in the evening, that shouldn't change much. And then um, we're going to try to not... One of the, the things is we're going to try to focus on theatrical 
um, movies on both this channel and the other channel um, and and take it what during the what we're watching I mean we'll talk about TV because that will probably take up a bit of our time um, but we're gonna try to focus on um, theatrical movies here um, on, on this podcast it is called the untitled movie podcast uh, so I mean loosely right. <laughs> we talk about anything but uh, anyways I wanted to let you guys all know that and I'll talk more about it um, soon but uh, you hopefully won't notice anything changing, but um, I'll be very open with you guys. And, and if I can't talk about something or or if we need to change something drastically, um, we'll let you guys know. So um, we hope, cross your fingers, that nothing will change and you'll notice no difference. Right. Um, but thank you all for bearing with us. And thank you for the last um, God, nine months since I've been off. Um, I've been freelancing, so I've been doing work. Like I worked on some doing some copywriting for a small Canadian film called firecrackers you guys should check out um i also uh was working for canada goose and cineplex during that time which i mentioned to you guys so, and shout out to adriana yeah adriana's uh, awesome and uh, as well yeah and uh i uh, was as i mentioned on here i was writing some stuff for them but this will be a more of a full-time thing you're you're nine to five working on a f- social media stuff so um it'll be interesting i'm it's a new territory for me it's a a 10 minute walk from my condo which is really really nice but uh it means that those morning screenings and these uh middle of the day recordings might not be able to happen anymore or actually cannot happen unless they're on a weekend so it'll just change our schedule a bit but that's just getting into the behind the scenes of the pod um so thank you guys for listening um as always my name is matt rohrbeck you can find more of my work at untitledmoviepodcast.com as well as around the internets at matt rohrbeck um i'm darth marchin uh you can find more of my work at rogerstv.com slash cinema scene i have an interview with david harbour uh talking about 80s horror movies and hellboy and he was a gentleman uh, very nice guy to talk to is like talking to you actually in a lot of ways oh, and, yeah. like, just very easy like talking to a friend so uh, if you have a chance to to take five minutes to listen to it and or watch it please do and uh, you can find me on the social medias at em6211 and until next time sand it's rough it's coarse and it gets in everywhere see you next week